Warning. Explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Okay, welcome back to the Great Northeast BJJ podcast. This is episode nine, Dojo Storm. Jay, George, and I headed out to Mass BJJ in Acton, Massachusetts. And uh, just like we always do, we took the class. We got some hard rolls in. Shout out to the guys there at Mass BJJ for making that a really fun night. Then we dropped the mic, and in this case, talked to Jay's old friend, Nate Ryan. Nate is a black belt under Roberto Maya. Nate's part of that first group of black belts that you keep hearing about on this podcast. Uh, You know, the Kenny and Keith Florian, Pat Barbieri, uh, Nate. There's a bunch of these guys who all came up together in the uh, under Roberto at Boston Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Nate's got some fantastic stories from the uh, early days. He also talks about training with some other people. Uh, he trained with uh, the legend, Hickson Gracie, for a little while as well. Nate has a cool background. It's not just in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It's also in early MMA, unlicensed, uh, unsanctioned fights. He uh, corners guys from the UFC. He's train people for the UFC. He's a, a fascinating guy. We had a great conversation. As always, if you have questions or comments, if you want to ask a question uh, that we can answer on air, if you know of an academy that might be interested in having us come out, or if you want to host an episode of the Great Northeast BJJ podcast yourself, head over to greatnortheastbjj.com, click on the contact button, and get in touch with us. Also, thanks to all of our new listeners around the world. Uh, Every time I go and check out our stats, I'm blown away with who's listening to this podcast and where. So we're lucky people. Thank you very much for the likes. If you'd like to help us out on a podcast, good reviews on things like iTunes and uh, your favorite podcast app always go a long way. So thank you very much for those as well. Here you go. That's right. I'm the just a dude playing a dude dressed up as another dude. Rolling. Welcome <laughs> to the newest episode of the Great Northeast BJJ Podcast. Episode possibly nine. Is this nine? Is that what it is? I don't know. I it's think nine. it's nine. It's nine. We'll call it now eight point seven five. Right. The Jimmy one didn't count, right? Jimmy no. one that's uh, been yeah, erased. This is episode eight. Eight? Yeah. Oh yeah. The Jimmy one doesn't count. Why? Because he's yeah. retarded. <laughs> but we but love it's him. still number eight. No, it's I could, so this would be nine. But he knows a lot about wrestling. Jay told me this is a tape recorder, and you record it over Jimmy's episode. First. <laughs> uh, We're yes. deleting it right now. And yeah. also my wedding reception. Oh, good. Yes, Liz will not be coming on as a guest. Oh. <laughs> as always, this podcast is brought to you by Tortuga Soap Company, the <laughs> finest kind of soap known to man. <laughs> Jay, what's your favorite kind of soap? The goat soap. Actually, I like the uh, the one with the coffee grounds in oh, yeah, it. Yeah. I just used Exfoliating. that today. Nice. That stuff is awesome. I brought some beard oil for you, buddy. Oh, thank God. Yeah, I that, need some help growing. Beard does. I got some patchy spots. You can find Tortuga Soap on Etsy.com, at Hooligans in Wells, Maine, if you happen to be there and you live in Maine. Our favorite antique shop. Well, Wells is a beautiful place. It is a beautiful and place. And if, if you have no shame, don't mind being seen in such a place. Such 
It's a nice antique shop, man. I heard. That's what we're talking about. He's got everything. I heard there's a nice tub over there. There's a very nice tub made by our friend the Darkness. Yeah. Um, but I heard it got scratched. Yeah. Would so you it feel might weird? Be scratch and dent. Would you be feel, feel weird if you're taking a bubble bath and that like if that, that were my made. tub, I'd be like, yeah. Mm, but think know. about this: you're taking a shower with soap that I made. Does that make you feel weird? Uh, it should make you feel weird because you <laughs> know where that soap is going. But it. <laughs> don't. I don't no, know what to say you now. You make peppermint soap, right? I do have a little pep. We have made peppermint soap, and it you gives you a little tingle. I need that a little tingle. Oh, like gold bond. I don't know about gold bond. That's but like straight up. Bond. I know about peppermint. So what other? Who, who else do we need to talk about? We need to talk about crash kimonos, geese belts, shirts, all kinds of awesome stuff designed in New Hampshire. Thank you, Abe, for giving me a really awesome purple belt dress up belt thing that I wear that's yeah, I super one. nice. I have one Thank too you. and it's got the uh, it's got this great slogan and it's all yeah. in reverse on the back. Yeah. So you can't read it unless you're upside down. I thought it was hieroglyphics. No, 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 no. It's just you needed a Rosetta Stone. Anyway. You totally can read it. Um, you should check Crash Kimonos out at crashkimonos.net and Port City BJJ. PortCityBJJ.com Probably the coolest place to train tied with Mass BJJ Acton where we are today. Mm. Oh, shucks. Not tied? Almost tied. Almost tied. This was a really Tied cool in place. a spiritual yeah. way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and today, uh, as our guest, we have uh, Nate Ryan. Uh, Nate has been was one of my first uh, jiu-jitsu instructors when, we, when I started, man, 1999, I guess. You were a purple belt when I started. You're a white belt. Uh, sorry, you were a purple belt. I was a white belt. And... Um, Man, still taking me to school today. Like, I get little tidbits from rolling with you all the time that are really beneficial. Runs an awesome academy uh, here in Acton, Mass. Um, Super easy to get to, man. Uh, And in Arlington, so two locations. Um, The other guy that runs the other location is kind of sketchy. (laughs) He's already had his day here. (laughs) Um, Nate's trained a a lot of super high-level guys, both in MMA and Jiu-Jitsu. Awesome instructor. I've said on previous podcasts, probably the most uh, technical instructor that I've been able to work with. And I've gotten on the mat with some amazing guys, multiple-time world champions, and and Nate continues to. uh, Thank you. $20 bill. As promised. Every time he says that. Dude, you're like the diamond in the rough. <laughs> Here's my yeah, that's why I am the you cost me a lot. You're literally I mean, you are really though, you got you're you know, you turn on the UFC, there's the librarian. Yeah. <laughs> turn I mean you're everywhere, Thanks, man. Behind the scenes, like uh doing your thing. What are you, I, awesome. what are you talking about? So back in the day, I, I was that at uh Babson, the tournament in Babson, when Liz, my wife Liz, came to the, her first jiu-jitsu tournament, and she met Nate, and uh, Liz and I were just dating at the time, and she was like, that's Nate Ryan? And I'm like, yeah, he's like super, <laughs> super his, good. Like, he's a, he's a monster on the Give map. him his $20 pack. And, and, <laughs> and she was like, he looks like a librarian. See? And he's been librarian <laughs> yeah. ever since. He had frosted tips at the time. Um, so just to, just I got to clear that story later. We'll go back to it. But but yeah, if you go there, I'm going to pedicure and manicure. I just so let me, we'll go back to the, the all those pictures of that. Like you know how things used to be. Though, right? Yeah, but you know how things used to be. It wasn't like we had smartphones back then, right? Like the '90s. So it's like someone brings a camera in for a week and takes pictures, and those pictures are like the pictures of that five year period, like that that right. week that we took pictures. I was, it was Halloween. I dyed my hair green with Manic Panic. You guys ever use that when yeah. you're younger? And <laughs> for Halloween, and 
I was in a wedding the next week and it didn't come out. And so it kind of came out, but my hair was still, it looked like moss. <laughs> and so I went to, I was in college. I didn't, I was like, oh, I don't know what to do. So it's my cousin's wedding. So I went down to a hairstylist and they tried to make it brown and it made it worse. So I went home and I bleached my hair. And, I, you know, I got to bring, I'll take a picture and post a picture of me in the wedding. It, the the bride like was M&M? pissed. Kind of, yeah. The bride was pissed, though. You look at the wedding party photos, and you just look at me immediately. I have this <laughs> halo in my head. So it was like a few months later that all these pictures that we took, like the fake picture of Pell choking me. I mean, that, you guys know that is, of course, fake. If oh, no, he told us it was real. We knew. You know what? Yeah. We were rolling, and I have to find it because there is a picture of me choking him. And then he goes, wait, wait, I want a picture choking well, Nate. I do remember that and, picture now. And so I know where in the academy in like reverse, that was. Yeah, right in the corner. In the right in the corner part of the against the wall. It. Yeah, like right where the... Yeah. And I remember, like, so he's doing it, and I think, he's going to pretend this is real someday. And so that's why in the picture, I'm going, like, making a stupid face with my tongue out, like, crossing my eyes. Right. Just so he can never claim, like, we were that really rolling. Real. But he keeps posting it. And he says, I don't know how that keeps getting up on Facebook. Right. So he in any case, actually choked anyone? Well, in any case, no. my hair at that oh, time was... Ow! <laughs> my hair at that time was half normal and half out, and everyone loves asking why. I mean, even when I got my black belt... Roberto talked about, <laughs> man, this guy come into the school, trained, he's real tough. some point, he has weird hair, with, <laughs> dyed the end of his hair. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm never going to live this. Right. And then that's like the of, word of God, right? Yeah. Now it's done. Yeah. <laughs> I once so. put in sun in my hair, and it turned it orange, though. Yeah? Yeah, it was super lame. I, I thought it was going to be really cool, but. Unnatural products in my hair. So wait, you're, saying, you're saying orange hair is super lame. Hey, macaroni. Oh, jeez. Oh, hey, that's didn't not know you were orange. That's over a here. nice brown hue. Hey, you know what it is? It's <laughs> the Viking <laughs> descent of Macarena, right? Yeah. Hey, hey macarena. I mean, it could be worse. You could be South American. So. Oh. <laughs> so where are you from originally, though? You're not from here. I am. Right? You are? I. So we are in what is considered South Acton right now. Yeah. Just about out of there. I grew up in South Acton. So I grew up about a mile and a half from here. But I went to school in Kansas, so everyone always thought yeah. I was from... When I started training, uh, I, sh- I started out in Kansas, and that's just like how everyone thought Jay was from New Hampshire. That's just not even fair. Right. And But that, I got the, so you're from Kansas, right? Dude, you uh, wish you were from New Hampshire. So I started training when I was but out I'm not. in Kansas. <laughs> but I'm not. I'm from now here, yeah. Where did you train in Kansas? So in uh, 1994, I think, um, I was doing karate, Karate was the best thing in the world, right? Like, you know, there's nothing really that can beat karate. Karate Kid, what else was up? Bruce Lee, all that stuff. I mean, right. And um, then the first UFC comes out. And I'm rooting for Pat Smith. I was I, So I signed up for karate at the university. And then I was kind of pissed because when I came into the class, the guy's like, oh, okay, uh, this is taekwondo. And I'm like, I want karate, you know. <laughs> and he kind of is like, uh, it's the same thing, right? Right, great. Right. Probably could tell I was not in a good place at that point. But why did you just do honestly? It's, yeah. it's like that. Yeah, same thing. What's so, tequila? It's like beer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so the first UFC happens, and you know, remember? So everyone represented an art in the first one, right? Yeah. And I was rooting for Pat Smith because sure. he was the tiger. I think he was under Taekwondo, right? Right. And uh, even though they said he never trained that, he just wanted to get in and represent an art. So and didn't he? Wasn't he in there at like two hundred and seventy and oh or one or something? Yeah, everyone, like some crazy. Everyone number. just made up some number. It didn't. Yeah. you know, they're jujitsu. There's no MMA before, right? So their records were whatever they wanted. Like, well, what are you? I'm a karate guy. How do you do in tournaments? 
what are you going to show? I'm undefeated. Like, I'm like, I kick everyone's butt. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get in this tournament. I'm hitting like 500, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. So, uh, so. so, you know, hoist wins, and uh, I'm kind of pissed. I was, you know, skinny little guy's boring. And then um, I just happened to be, I'm in, I'm in University of Kansas where I'm going to school. I'm walking uh, through the rec center. The, Is that in Lawrence? It's in Lawrence, Kansas. Yeah. yeah. yeah not many people How know that. These are things I know. You know where the rec the center man. is in Lawrence? <laughs> yeah. University Did you meet someone through the Little League World Series or something? <laughs> yeah. They have I was wondering when that would come up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. I'm glad you yeah. mentioned it. I mean, yeah. let me tell you a story. I really don't like to talk about it. But right. Since so, you brought it up, Nate. So, so you were in Yeah, Kansas. so there's this... There's this sign, there's a flyer, and it said, uh, you know, learn Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, blah, blah. I, you know, I wish I kept it. Uh, so you're supposed to take the tags off, and it's funny because yeah. I still stick flyers. I, mean, I do mostly rack cards when we stick stuff up, but I still have places I stick flyers, and I still think of this because, uh, you know, where they, you take the little tag off, yeah. and you take it with you, and it said, like, space is limited, and I was like, I got class all day, so I ripped the whole thing <laughs> off so no one else would do it and take so that space. Offer only good for today. <laughs> and um, so I started going down in this guy's garage. And uh, he was a military guy that had been out in California training with the Gracies before the UFC. And, um, and you know, to me, he was the best guy in the world. Yeah. Right? Like, we, I, I went in there, and I'm like, I was, I was skeptical. And I go in this guy's garage. Like, this is the story so many people have, right? Who is this guy? Uh, he, he, he's disappeared. You know, I actually Sorry. don't want to mention his name. No problem Because he's, he's in the military, and I think he became a spy. And I, uh, yeah, he disappeared uh, huh. off the face of the earth. Probably someone I was very close Do you know his to. middle name? Was his first, yeah. middle, yeah. and last maybe so, address? So, uh, that, but that is why he came back to the University of Kansas because they had a program in Russian, and I think that's where he got oh, sent yeah. afterwards. Um, wow. But in any case, uh, his name was Boris the Blade. Yes, we'll go with Boris. In, and, in his uh, garage. In his garage, and I went in there, and I remember being like, ah, he's trying to show some of this stuff. And, and my idea of ground fighting at the time was like, being on my back and like kicks, yeah. you know, like I'll kick him in the knees and then the ankle and he'll like, fall down and like I'll, Fred Eddish did. Fred Eddish fetal fighting, right? So <laughs> fetal fighting. Um, a lot of respect for that guy. Have you seen him on the underground over the years? Yeah, he's still. He's uh, pretty awesome, right? Yeah. So, um, so I go in there like an idiot, right? It, it's like the people that come in now, and I'm like, right. well, I don't know. What if I kicked you in the head? Right. What if I punched you? you? How are you gonna? And he's like, well, why don't we just do that? Like, yeah, that's awesome. Right. Like, I mean, this is what I've been waiting for my whole life, right? <laughs> so we get up there, and I try to kick him in the head. He catches my kick, lifts me up in the air with my leg over his shoulder, slams me down. I scramble to get up. He takes my back and chokes me, and I, I kind of look at him. And I go, you got lucky. <laughs> and so... Oh, I'm an idiot, man. you know. Right. So we do it again. I think I'll kick him. I'll kick him. We don't even kick in the leg, right? But some in, in Taekwondo, you're not even allowed to do that. So it's not even on my radar. So I'm like, I'll kick him in the body to warm him up, and then I'll go to his head. <laughs> he, he catches my leg, lifts me, slams me on the ground, chokes me again, and I look at him like, sign me up. I'm sold. No kidding. And uh, that's when I started doing jujitsu. So it was. A, it was I've a, never heard that story out of anybody before. It's funny. I was going <laughs> to say the same thing. It's like that's the story of how people except get for Jimmy Quinlan. Everybody gets right. started that way. This is the only one that was different. Jimmy got into jujitsu on the dating websites. <laughs> um, but you know what's funny about that that I relate so much to is the story that that Chris told about uh, some guy coming into Higgins Academy and called and Higgins like called Chris and said, "Oh, this guy's." It was on a previous podcast, but Chris came down and Chris was being really nice with the guy and still tapping him out. And Higgins was like, "No, no, no, no. If you're nice to him, he'll think that you got lucky." 
Right. If you're mean to him and you let him feel it and make him miserable, he'll know it wasn't lucky. Yeah, and they'll remember. And they'll remember. Well, that, that's what we called the Florian welcome back in the day, right? <laughs> yeah, that happened to me. When, when you came in, if you if you were good and you, you know, caught Kenny or Keith's eye and you were like beating people up in the academy back in the day, you got the Florian welcome. And that was, you were going to get crushed for two taps in a row. They were going to let you know it was no accident you got tapped. And then... Mm-hmm. Then it would go back to the way it was, you know. Like here, here now we'll learn, right? And and that was kind of the thing. Like, yeah, you don't want people coming in thinking, nah, he barely got. If he didn't have that gi, I, mean, I, I remember that when I first started. Well, if, he, if I didn't have to wear this stupid gi, I'd be all over him. He couldn't hold me down or choke right. me or do any of that stuff. I, that was my my initial thought with this, right? Right. Like like you know, now we get those people in there, and I'm just like, oh no, okay. Like here we go. It's you were talking about it earlier, how you know you and George had a nice good role because you guys were both trying to do jujitsu, and actually George said afterwards that he felt like you smashed on him. Smash, smash <laughs> just machine. couldn't go anywhere. Smash him. But uh, you know there is something too, you know, especially when big guys come in. We've had guys come in. They like they tend to push around white belts or people that are lighter than them, and then you kind of sometimes have to make a believer out of them. It's got to be a cop, dude. Police them. Yep, the academy. I've seen you do it. No. Oh yeah. There's a couple at Port City. (laughs) Recently. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was watching. So when? How did you find your way to Boston? Well, so interesting. After you know where we just were this weekend and everything, I um. I started training, and I was probably there for a year. I, I, I don't remember the overlap from when I went to Boston, if it was in 95, 96, somewhere around that time period. Um, you know, you could ask Roberto when he when he, he had just moved downstairs. So when, when Roberto started, there was a small upstairs. Uh, people talk about it. would be a good thing to get, like, with, with Pat or, one of you know, talk about back in the day where they had the um, – the foam that would stick to their hair because there was no mat cover. It was just open yep. foam that they rolled on when they started. Everyone would talk about that back in the day. The way we talked about the Red Room. Right, right, exactly. And uh, so I, I remember I I was coming back on vacation. Like This is like the beginning of the Internet. There's not really, you know, so I'm like getting on and looking up for jujitsu sites. Yeah, yeah. Takes like that. So hard to remember when things were hard to figure out. Now you can just. Photos used to take so long to load. Yeah. Yeah, it's unbelievable when you talk to younger people, like in the academy that n- grew up with smartphones. Yeah, like in the, the, the instant access to information, and it makes me so mad. You know what I mean? Dude, you have to work for stuff back when I was a kid. You had to work to figure yeah. out things. Yeah. How old are you? Forty-one. Yeah. Okay, you're my age. Man. Like when they're googling things, that, like you see people in the academy grab their phones when we're talking about stuff, and they're googling yeah. what we're talking right about then. because it happened before they were born. And I'm like, go home and get your learn on and come back. So when you came, were you still a white belt when you came back? So, well, here's, here's what happened. I, I trained with this guy for a while. And um, before I came to Boston's, I, uh, Rodrigo Vaghi, who's a black belt under Hickson, opened a place in St. Louis, Missouri. And Hickson would come out for uh, a period of time, whether it was a week or whatever. And so we would go out there and train. And that's where... Um, so I started going out and training, and I, I still remember like we're in this little tiny room, and uh, we're just waiting. And I, I, I remember I saw my first American blue belt, and I was like, "Oh, that's that's an American guy. That's a blue belt. Like that's awesome. Like, you know." And all these this black is at belts. Hickson's place. Th- this is at Rodrigo oh, Vaghi's oh, yeah, place yeah. in Missouri, yeah. where Hickson was. 
And all these black belts that are kind of in his entourage are coming out. And uh, we're like, is that Hickson? Is that Hickson? I mean, again, yeah. it's not a million pictures. Right. He's some Brazilian guy, right? The, the second he walked out, you're like, that's Hickson. There's no doubt. You, just, you knew. Remember you know, the other, yesterday, he walked into a room with 300 people, and it immediately went silent. Some people had their back turned. Yeah, it just like, went silent. He's in here. I know it. I could, so, like, I could feel it when he walked into the room. I wasn't in the area where he was. Everyone got silent, and I felt like I could feel it in the room. And this is yeah. no bull. I'm not a bullshitty kind of guy. Like, the room went silent, and there was a something in the air the minute he walked into the room. Yeah, it's like a celebrity event, you know. Michael Jordan walked in. Walked well, in. I think he represents a lot of different things to all the different people that are in there, too. You know, he represents different things to the younger people, different things to the people who've been around, and you guys, you know, who are in really on the ground floor. For sure. You know. When did you, do you guys, uh, I'm sorry, I don't want to get you too far off the thread, but when did you, when did you get sort of immersed into the idea of like, that's Hickson and all that? Did you get that from watching things on television or the UFC kind of angle after? When Hoist said, after Hoist, when they said, this is the best guy in the world. And Hoist goes, you think I'm good? My brother's 10 times better than me. Was around that time, could you, could you go down? How could you see those fights? Could you could you go to the uh, to, bro- to to blockbuster no, video? No, and stuff? you know what we were doing. So there was was it Tim Musel's Musel's MMA, and there was another one. These were predecessors to the underground. I bet a lot if there, some old school listeners will remember. I think Musel's are from Saint Right. You talk about early MMA. internet now. Yes, right. And we trade tapes. Right. We trade tapes. Right. You know how I got the first UFC that I watched was, uh, or not the, the first one, but after that, it got banned at some point, yeah. right? Right. And some guy I knew worked at a television station, and he had someone somewhere else beam it to a satellite and down to him so and cool. recorded it off that. Yeah. And once I got that tape, I was able to trade that to people all over the world. So I'd re-record off that, and we'd trade tapes back and forth. Mario Sperry tapes, I got that yeah. way. The VHS videotapes. Right? Yes, yes. Any beta. Yeah. So, beta. I'm, yeah, there was I, a, I, I, this yeah. is after beta. So. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not as old as Pat, so. Right. But no, I, you're, you're bringing back a lot of memories, right? Like, I remember in the, uh, um, from the judo side, there was a guy in Canada who had, like, every single tape. Yeah. And, you know, the judo thing is that sort of, you know, we don't charge, you know, tuition. It's very, you know, uh, sort of community kind of thing. And he would just, you'd send him an email, and he'd charge you, like, five bucks a tape. Yeah. and. I, you'd, everyone would go, here's 50. And then at someone he had to stop. He said, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he was trying to be nice and just do it. But yeah, I remember getting like 10, 10 VH test tape copies. But yeah. he just made copies of them. And so, so the Gracie in Action tape was where a lot of the early oh, guys, right, right, where a lot right. of the early guys really awesome. saw the mystique right. of Hickson, right. right? You saw him fighting Zulu. You saw him Hugo competing. Right? Yeah, with Hugo. And um, was the wrestler that came in? Yeah, uh, the Japanese guy. No, the- no. It, you didn't see which one. I don't know, he beat yeah. up, there was like, the Yogi, myth was Yogi like this. Anjo, that was much later. That yeah. was much later. That was after he that fought was, in Pride. Yeah. I'm thinking of, um, what are the wrestlers, the two brothers that they did the movie about? Oh, Schultz. Yeah. There's yeah, a, Dave Schultz. Right, or, right, or, right, it's funny, right, at, Mark, the, at the Mark seminar Mark the other day, right. someone asked him, what's that armbar you caught uh, Schultz in the other, you know, what's that, 30 years ago, right? right? 20, 20-something years ago, at least. Yeah. Someone's asking about the armbar that he caught. Someone. He did. He was like, oh, well, it was different. I did this. and He said it wasn't perfect. We watched that stuff. Over and over and over till we wore the tapes out, you know. And um, it's funny because, like, so Patrick, Kenny, myself, we all had this background where we trained somewhere before jujitsu was very accessible. The guy that taught me was probably not, a, maybe maybe a blue belt, right? But to us, he was 
the, the best guy Legend. we've ever seen in the world. And, and then he moved, right? And he's like, well, you guys are doing great. Keep training. Like, okay. Uh, what was he teaching you? Like Americana? It was as it was the pretty much what you see like on a white to blue belt kind of test stuff. That's all we did. That's all we did. The very basic Gracie stuff. And and I, I talked about this with Pat and Kenny. I, I heard this come up on your podcast before. I, I look at it as I'm very lucky in that the first two years of jujitsu, we just repped fundamentals over and over and over again. You know, sometimes I'm like, let's do this armbar drill, and people are like, I'll be like, let's, you know, thirty times, and they're like, thirty times, and I'm thinking. Man, we used to do this for 45 minutes. We didn't know all this <laughs> other stuff, so right. we just this didn't is all exist. we had. And, and they're complaining about doing it 30 times. I'm like, I, is it better? Is it worse? I don't know. I don't know. There's some people that could probably just, they can take everything in and just go with it. But I feel like for me, as I've gotten older, those things have stayed with me. Yeah. So not having, you know, not just doing crazy stuff all the time, which when I was young, I did. I, I, I played very attribute-based game when I was younger. Um, but as I've gotten older, it's all those fundamentals that, that have stuck with me and gone back. And I kind of, I remember Kenny and Patrick and I all had that that background, Kenny and Keith, where we just did you guys all stuff out. Um, come up th- together, you and Kenny and Keith, yeah. all like kind of got belted together? Well, so the way I think of it, someone was just talking about this, was, well, I, I, so I found Roberto. I, I, I came in, I found Roberto, there's Roberto, and there was a Hicks and Gracie blue belt. And I remember, man, I'm so dumb. I'm like looking, I'm like, hmm, I wonder which way, like, that guy's under Hicks. And so I went into Roberto's and knew right away, like, this is where I want to be. I met Roberto, super nice, super personable, um, and the school was awesome. I saw Pat on the mat. Pat Pat was a purple belt when oh. I first saw him. And I remember looking, and he's got his goofy hair, and I was watching him wrestle. I'd never seen an American purple belt at that time, right? And I'm watching him, and I'm like, I could take that guy. <laughs> and he's not doing. A, he's not doing. Thread here, he's yeah. not doing anything that I don't know. If, I, if he was in my guard doing, what he's doing done. And then you know, I rolled with him the next time I came back, and he was a brown belt the next time I came back, and like, I'm like I don't know anything. I don't know any jiu-jitsu. <laughs> like that wasn't even me getting my ass beat. Right. I, it was me like with my legs tied together, my arms tied together, and him doing whatever he wanted, basically. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't even trying, right? So I always see, like, w- when I came up, I always feel like Pat was ahead of us. Whatever we were doing, Pat was ahead of us. And Kenny and Keith were about a belt ahead of me. When I got my blue belt, they, it was the day they got their purple belt. Back then, Roberto, he just walked around and he would go. So my instructor that I had, he gave me my blue belt. And then when I came to Roberto's, I'm like, I don't even know. if I, I wore a white belt. I'm like, I don't even know what the deal is. This isn't, like... Roberto might like throw me out if I come in with this. some American guy give me a blue belt. Is the le- does he have a legitimate line to actually do this? So I wore a white belt, and within just like a few weeks, I, it was very fast. Roberto, he, he's walking around the room, and he just we're wrestling. And he's like, "You can wear a blue belt, you can wear a purple belt," and he's, he walks off. He, so Kenny and Keith and me were training in the corner. So I can wear a blue belt. Kenny and Keith can wear a purple belt. And I look at them I'm like, "What was that? Did we just get pro- <laughs> did we just get promoted?" And he's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Well." Where the hell do I get a blue belt? And they're like, well, we're going to go to Chinatown. When I go to Chinatown tomorrow, I'm like, there was a the martial Silky arts way. place. I don't know. Is that what it's called? Way. I don't remember. There was one place. Floor? That, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So the next guys, day we went in and got our blue belt. I got my nice. blue belt. So. Did you guys all use uh, Tiger Bomb? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. We asked. Yeah. Uh, Why did everyone around that yeah. year? Well, Do you remember, I will, George? No, I know what it is. Everybody sure. had Tiger Mom. Yeah, I will tell you, if you trained with Kenny and Keith long enough. Yeah, you're putting you, Tiger Mom in your On your bus. drive home, you're like. <laughs> I know. Yeah. No, we, we used to, one of us from the judoka would go to Chinatown and get, like, all of this Tiger Mom and then bring it back and then just, you know, sell it to everybody for a buck a pop. I have made and then Tiger you're Mom. Homemade Tiger Mom. Oh, really? well, yeah, my wife calls it <laughs> wife repellent. Because it's so... Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can see it that. It smells so good. It's not a good sense. So, with your question, though, I don't know how you see this, but the way I always saw this was like, like, there was Pat kind of up ahead of us and then there was like Frankel and... Kenny and Keith and myself were like those were the guys that I kind of was in the room with. The guys like Matt Fletcher were in their little field, Gary for a while, um, and there was this crew that was my crew. And Jay was like the crew coming up right behind us. Right, that whole group of all you guys that got your black belts together. Yeah, I, I still remember there was this one day we were at a at a belt promotion ceremony. We we're eating dinner. I think it was the day I got my brown belt. Doug got his Doug Clendon got his black I remember belt. Remember that. And we're eating at the table, and Jacob looks down, and because we had like our crew, we'd all go out together, we hung out, we were at each other's weddings and all that, you know. And he, Jacob looks over, and he's like, "Look at these guys down here. They're really funny. They they remind me of us a few years ago." And I look down, and it's you and Medina and Pags and Pell, and you're like throwing food at each other. It's the same <laughs> old crap, right? And they're they're just being idiots down there and laughing and just having fun. And I was like. Yeah, they do. They still and do that, by the way. I know. And yeah, I've seen it. I, I was in a room with them. This no, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I lived it. That's right. Um, and and one of the things, like that's where I feel like that is that about that's the end of that first generation because I remember when you guys were coming up, like you say, okay, I was a purple belt when you were a white belt, but then you know how people there's a bottleneck and you catch up real fast, right? And I don't like, remember catching up so much. No, I, but I do. <laughs> I remember you guys coming up behind us, and a lot of the people that were my belt level, so then we get brown belts, and you guys are blue, and then kind of into purple, you know? Right. And Kind of like a belt behind. Yeah, so. yeah. It starts catching up as we get up there, and they're all getting really good. And I remember a lot of the guys I trained with would shy away from you guys and not train with you guys because they were a lower belt. And they are good. And they could tap you on any given day. You're going to get tapped by them, Right. And I love training with them. It, it, those guys pushed me a lot. Like so, Kenny and Keith were the guys I trained with like, every day. I'd, I'd come in. I was in a pretty lucky spot. I, I really, I'd come in in the day and take John Frankel's day class, and then I'd go back to work, work, and then come back in at about four or five. Um, Pat and I would lift. We'd go upstairs to the powerhouse gym and lift. Mm -hmm. And um, I hated it because Pat would told me I could only lift with him if I, and Pat at the time was huge. He was really big. And I'm still like a skinny 155 pound guy. If you want to lift with me, you got, I'm not re-racking the weights. I'm not changing the plates. So you have to lift what I lift. Jesus. And so he'd get like the perfect, what he was doing. And I'd be like, like trying to put up whatever he was doing. Um, four to five, you're lifting. You said, so yeah, then, so then we'd lift and then I'd go down and either roll with Roberto for an hour. Um, he'd be coming and Roberto would lift with us a bunch roll with Pat for an hour. Mm. Um, and then we'd, I'd, I'd always do the fundamentals class. And uh, I was I, I was there. So I do the fundamentals class for as long as I was training there. And I look back and that was a huge thing that helped me too. Yeah, Just yeah. years and years and years of having Roberto do hand placements on me. You know, I almost can't forget these hand placements, right? And, uh, and and the system, and you know, so I'm not forgetting those little details because I think I just was in that fundamentals class for so many years. And then we do, you know, the, the all levels or upper level classes or MMA or whatever it was that we were doing. 
And uh, I'd usually stay late with Kenny and Keith and train with them. How many times a week? Uh, it was six days a week, and it was at least two a days for three of those days. Right. Um, I lived on the mats for those right. years. When I How was old younger, were you at the time? I started when I was nine, 18 or 19. I mean, my, my and I don't know, sophomore year in college, whatever you are then. Right. So I think I think nineteen. Yeah, nineteen or twenty. Depends on yeah, nineteen. Yeah. I'm not smart, so oh, I was not jumping ahead for a long time. For five years, for until I had surgery on my neck, which was uh, but even no, you know what? I would say until until I got my black belt, I, I was wow. pretty much on the mat. Straight yeah. through, yeah. No, that's not true. There was a point where I was really lazy as a purple belt. Right. Um, there was a point where I was very lazy. I had a girlfriend, and I had I had had neck surgery and was coming back and it was hard and you know i'd be driving and be like gosh should i go train i had on my phone you know we had those little flip phones in, yeah. you know and then and they, we could, you could put one thing on the front of it or one thing when it opened and it said uh like did you train today that was every time i opened it so i'd always like drive in and yeah. open it and be like oh, i gotta go but there was a point in there when i was kind of lazy as a purple belt where i wasn't training as much and it's just but i think sometimes hard. sometimes a really easy uh, answer to a lot of people's questions is just keep doing it over and over and over and over again. You know, I think, uh, especially the way the, uh, the internet works, I don't want to go off on, you know, young people because there's a lot of different opinions here, but, but the way the internet works, you, you can get what you would like relatively quickly, even if it's, you know, a couple of evenings of looking for something, you're going to find it. But some things just take forever. Mm-hmm. They just take forever. Well, I mean, I, I, I teach music. I mean, you're not going to get this. Yeah. You're going to have to do this for 10 years. If you start when you're 10, you're going to be coming together. Uh, you know what the funny 20, thing is? You, you know? do it for 10 years. Somewhere around like year three or four, you're like, I'm getting pretty good at this. Right. Five, year five, I'm really good at yeah, this. I'm and awesome. then on the 10th year, you figure out how much you actually suck. Yeah, for right, sure. But I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about <laughs> no, three times a week for uh, an hour and a half or, you know, I guess I train a ton, you know, says X guy, because they're going to do the fundies and the regulars and they're going to do it three times a week. Yeah. And you're realizing that is a lot. But the truth is, it's almost every single person we've talked to is not totaling six hours or eight hours or 10 hours a week, at least for a large portion of their time. So the thing is, though, I remember when you, when you guys were talking to Chris, it, was, it, it resonated with me. When I started, there really weren't any American black belts that I knew of. There was Craig Kuko, right? Yeah. yeah. It wasn't, I wasn't doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu to get my black belt. It wasn't even on my mind. Roberto it's was like a impossible. black belt. Roberto grew up doing Jiu-Jitsu in Brazil his whole life. So right. He's a black belt. I'm a kid that loves Jiu-Jitsu. I just love doing it. I wasn't fighting when I was fighting to be in the UFC. There wasn't, there wasn't even weight classes. I'm 155 pounds. There was no way I would. I just wanted to test my jujitsu. When I was competing, kind of like what Hickson was talking about that. I wasn't out there trying to score points and do. Actually, most of those tournaments back then, there weren't even points. You just rolled till someone tapped, right? right. And um, there, it, it's kind of funny. We have like on the forums when people come in and they fill out, it says, why do you want to do this? And man, when I see to be in the UFC, yeah. seem to pick up <laughs> chicks. No way. When yeah. we started jujitsu, I remember. I remember I brought a girl in to watch what we did. I was like, "She's gonna think this is awesome." <laughs> I went no. in there and she sat there, and I looked over. I remember I looked over at her, 
And she had like this look of disgust on her face. <laughs> and I kind of went over. I'm like, what's, what's going on? She's like, what are you? This is gross. You guys right. are sweating <laughs> on each other. You don't have your shirts on. This is disgusting. <laughs> right. And the place stinks. I, what do you even do? And I was like, oh, this is not cool, I guess. Right. It was not a cool thing to do in a way. But remember, Chris is like, we, we had magic. We knew yeah, yeah. we had something that no one else had. And that's what it felt like. I, I, it's kind of hard to describe because it just we had something that we knew was very special, and but it wasn't to get a belt and it wasn't to be in the UFC or to win tournaments. You guys were in on like the secret. Yeah, you had right. like the secret. And it's funny. I think I you still get to experience that a little bit when new people come in and they want. To, there's nothing against them. They've never done jujitsu before. I'm sure they have their own things that are special and all that stuff. Like I'm not. We're all special. No, but they come. It's not their fault. But when they come in the first time and they've never tried jujitsu, you know something about the universe that they don't know. And this is, and it's really special. This is like something. It's like you train for so long and you know a lot about it and you know the people and you have a community. And it's like they come in off the street. And they're like, I'm interested in jujitsu. And like, not positive that you know what you're signing up for. We not in a bad way. Right? Not, not in a bad way. Right. No, you can't because right. there's no way to explain that to someone. They just right. have to do yeah. it. But they don't know really what they're asking for until they start doing jujitsu. And then they find out about what jujitsu is really about. And it's like the same thing. It's like we knew, we know something, we know in the present tense, or we knew something then that was really special. It's like, look, you go to Watertown, you go into this little basement. Pretty disgusting, you know, lines for the showers at the end of training, smelling like an asshole, rug burns all over my face because I was low man on the totem pole. When everybody is when they show up, you know what I mean? But it's really special. And you have something that not many people have. You know right. what I mean? Well, I mean, we'll call it out, though. I mean, um, I mean, I understand. I agree with what you're saying. Obviously, it's, it's just true. But none of the three of you guys and none of the other guests started jujitsu that way either like you have to start it to find it right yeah. what you mm-hmm. said yeah. it's like you started it basically because this guy kicked your ass and you're like well fuck that which is great but then at some you're point exactly it just right. takes over my, right? my idea of doing jujitsu was to supplement my taekwondo in case someone took me right. down right Maybe, which right, probably right. wasn't gonna never happen. gonna happen no, <laughs> i mean right. not that i ever wrestled but but probably right. i'd probably yeah. knock him out but just in case right. i slipped on something i know what to do right <laughs> Maybe and then it was yeah. like screw taekwondo yeah. it was like when chris chapel came in here one of my black belts now that guy came in and he had his fred Bellari's patch and it was very <laughs> important to him can I keep this patch on my gi when I roll? And I'm just like, we had just started the school. It was a little bit. And I'm like, yeah, you can, whatever. I don't care. (laughs) And I remember he came in and everyone just threw him around. He's, I I actually, I don't remember this, but he tells the story. He's like, he's like, kind of came in and just everyone like kicking my butt or it was exactly what I wanted. I remember Chris did good day one when he came in, but he's like, I just looked down and ripped that patch off. <laughs> like he's like this. This is what I need. Fred you know? Bellari's is one of the uh, the line them up and beat them up schools around here back in the day. Yeah, That's the first place I ever did martial arts at. Yeah. Was yeah. Fred Bellari's. Remember they used to carry him around on like a. Oh, dude! I went and to. He, a, wore, he had the Elvis glasses yeah. on. I don't yeah. know anything about it to be honest. I just he had a big belt. Yeah, they were all Billy Blanks. They were all big belt. But yeah. he was the original big thick belt. You know what I mean? With maybe maybe this is a question we should add to the uh, to the podcast uh, in our structure is like, if on the first day that you went into jujitsu, 
on the little form you filled out, it said, why do you want to do yeah. this? What would you have said? Probably something dumb. Right. Yeah. I would have put, I want to kick people's ass. Yeah. yeah. No, you I like I mean? Nate's, that Nate's, Nate's answer is the best one so far. Oh, honestly, we haven't got too many. But we, we've asked this question before. Like, why one. did you start? But I love that. It. It's to, su- su- to supplement right. your kung fu. Like right. Taekwondo, yeah. Right. Taekwondo, sorry. Yeah. Right. So In what case that? somebody took you down. So you <laughs> fought like Ballytudo or MMA? Yeah, well, yeah, like back in the day, it was they're like non-sanctioned fights is what they're called. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember sitting back in the old Rhode Island Valley Tudos, and uh, they were they were the predecessor to um, uh, reality fighting. Now. Right, that it was Kip and those guys were putting them on, and I remember uh, we go down and uh, I, I, actually, what I remember was that I'm training, and one day Pat goes, "I signed you up for a fight." And I was like, what? <laughs> He's like, "Yeah, you're training really well. You're ready." It's kind of like, oh, okay. Like, part of me is like, yeah, that's what I want. I, I wanted to do it to test my jujitsu. I mean, that is why I got into jujitsu, right? Like, I watched Hoist go do this. I wanted to try this. I was young. I was in good shape. I was uninjured at the time. Were you training um, striking as well? Yeah, yeah. Um, we had, honestly, like, the MMA program we had, we were, I would say, like, kind of ahead of the time in the sense that Pat had us doing wall training all the time. We were always on the wall working training. John Frankel was teaching the striking, um, and then Pat would go back and teach jiu-jitsu. John would as well. We had some great guys. And uh, This is when you were at Boston. At Boston MJ, We were training on, on the wall padding that he had around. I remember when we, we moved and we pulled all the wall padding. It was just drywall behind there. We were just slamming into right, that for uh, years. What do you talk about wall training? You mean training like his... Now it's like a cage. cage. Now, now it's like a cage, right? Understood. You Pat mean training with each other up right. against the wall. Yeah, no right. one was doing okay. that at the time. Right. That wasn't even like, you know, and Pat had us doing that all the time. So were you fighting in a ring? Yeah, it was in a ring. Yeah, and um, I just remember we we go in there and uh, we're all in the back and and Kip's like, yeah, your uh, your guy didn't show up, but there's a guy that's you know he's only t- there's no weight classes they just matched you up right and he's only like ten or fifteen pounds heavier. Uh, his name's Jimmy Hattori. He he he'll fight. His guy didn't show up, and I remember Jimmy fought um, on the event before, and I remember watching him. He had long ponytail, Japanese guy, Muay Thai and wrestling. And he basically did not let the guy take him down and need the guy every time he came in in the chest, like over and over and pushed him up and leg kicked the hell out of him until he couldn't it walk. Sounds like and I remember watching this. Man. Yeah, I remember watching this because that's when Mike Littlefield fought Nuri. Yep. That's why we were there for that fight. And I just happened to go out and see this fight. And I'm like, man, I hope I, I would never want to fight someone <laughs> like that guy. And so they're like, hey, this guy wants to fight. And I look at him like, I'm trying to say, about to say no. And Pat's like, yeah, he'll do it. And I'm like, <laughs> shit. <laughs> But, How did uh, it go? It was fine. I ended up winning. I didn't get nice. it. Nice. But, uh, but, but, um, I, I, what I remember was Kip has it in the back room and he's like, hey, like, we're about to go. Just so you know, like, it's not that this is illegal, but it's not technically legal either. either. Ah. Um, but all the cops in the area are down out there watching, so it shouldn't right. be a problem. But if there is, the back door is over there. And I'm like, That's what did so I get awesome. myself into? <laughs> yeah. But I had done some, like, kind of people would come in and, uh, when I was in Kansas and like do the same thing, like, well, they'd kind of see what we were doing. Like, well, can we just fight? And I'd be like, yeah, that's great. Like, let's do that. And so we would have, I had all these times, like I remember one of my buddies was like, yeah, we're teaching class. And I look over and you're standing up trading punches with some guy and then you take him down. The and librarian like, in What's action. What's happening? Right. But in my head, I'm like, well, that's what the Gracies do. So that's what right. I should be doing. Right. right. Like that's the flag I have to to keep if, if I'm doing jujitsu. Right. That's yeah. the way we do it here. Right. right. I was an idiot. Like, honestly, I look back. I was an idiot. <laughs> this is why I have next we surgery, all were, right? Man. Right. Yeah. 
Um, but but I, remem- I remember back then it was all about defending jujitsu because guys would come into the academy, especially when we were downstairs. Yeah, the guy would show up, and you could you could kind of tell guys with bad attitudes, and it was all about jujitsu winning. It wasn't like it is now, where it's like academy against academy, right. guy against guy. It was all about proving jujitsu, and guys like that would come in. Well, we, we had, so it was for a long time. Pat was, I'm sure, back in the day before that, Roberto was the guy that you came in. Roberto was going to take it to you, right? And then, then Pat was like the guy that was like guys would come in. Okay, let him let him go with Pat or some. There were people that came in to challenge. One guy, one guy faxed the challenge in once. I remember <laughs> Roberto had a fax machine, and it came in like. <laughs> Dear sirs, I formally challenge you to it. And I'm like, this is awesome. Like, no, really? <laughs> it sounds awesome. Started, Dojo Storm. Roberto oh, just started laughing and threw it away. I'm like, what are you going to do? I'm like, yeah, see if he really comes down here, man. You know, I'm sure in Brazil they had this so much. He's like, a fax? Like, okay, right. like, let's see if he really come down here. <laughs> All right, who faxes this? So uh, then it was like Kenny and Keith so doing thank it. Thank you, no, with the ribbon on it. So then it was Kenny and Keith doing Did the it. Fa- no, stop. Did the no, fax guy come No, up? he never came up. Okay. He never came down. But um, and uh, and then I remember this one day I, I'm, I'm in there early and uh, Kenny and, and Keith there and they're like, yeah, it, th- this guy wants to challenge you. Uh, he wants to challenge us. And you're the one that's going to do it. Like you're going to you're ready. You know, and I'm like, yes, like, I was so psyched. <laughs> and then I looked at the dude and he's like, he's like four foot eleven and like 200 pounds of muscle. I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> he had this yeah. huge brand on his arm like it was oh, all muscle. Man. And they're like, yeah, he's a he's a shoot fighter. And uh, he's probably going to try a leg like it. I still remember Keith, Keith Lurian looks at me and he goes, even if he's breaking your ankle or your knee, you can't tap. You are representing jiu-jitsu in the school. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh shit. great last thing to tell me as I'm walking in. Uh, oh, yeah, one more thing. Wait. One more time. This is, I, we got the guy, we got the thing. Where were you, ha- where was this happening? This was at Roberto's. At, right at Roberto's. Yeah. So the guy walks in like with a group of people. Just him. Just him. Wow. And so, and, and actually, so I'm and thinking guys we're going like, to fight. Donate. I'm thinking we're going right. to fight, right? Right. And then at the end, he's like, well, how about no strikes? And I remember, I still can remember, there was this sense of like, ah, oh, damn. And also, whew. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, uh, and he, he wasn't that good. He took, he took me down because he was like this. Right, right. <laughs> and I was thinking I was going to be using my sweet taekwondo at the time. And, uh, <laughs> and um he, he took me down. I must have slipped, you know. Yeah, right. yeah. And uh, it's probably that slippery spot on the yeah, mat. That's right. And I remember, like, immediately going to Butterfly Keys, like, get the Butterfly Guard, you know. Like, don't let him get your ankles. And he was, he was fishing for my legs immediately. And then I swept him and choked him. And I'm like, okay. Like, like anything. Like, back in the day, right, like, like me going in and telling this guy I could kick his butt and then him choking me twice. This guy comes in and people, it wasn't like now. People didn't know jujitsu. Right. They didn't yeah. know the submission part of grappling. and. Right. And so, like, what did uh, Chris Hatter say? It's like I was walking around with an AK-47, yeah, and they had a... Right? It was kind of like that, these challenge matches. Like, when I competed in jiu-jitsu, uh, I had a good record when I competed. If I competed now, I'm like... I look at the... T- the we go to, like, a, a, the New York Open, right? And, or the, the Nogi Pans, and Jimmy's... When this, I remember when he was a purple belt, and he's looking at his division. He's like, oh, I know, like, eight of the ten guys in here, those four were all American wrestlers. Those other four were Division One wrestlers. And I'm like... I would get so smashed if I had to compete in this. Like, this isn't even fair. Right. You know, uh, that was what Gary Tonin was in that division of that. that huh. too. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was just a different time. So I'm doing these tournaments and like some guys knew jujitsu. And then you'd get a guy wearing a black belt that was like just a karate guy in there. And he's trying to like, put his finger in your ribs. And like, yeah, yeah. and you're like, oh, 
yeah. pressure points. Pressure points. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it was just Death a different touch. time, you know. Um, I, I think all of that was just that I was a, ahead of the the curve as far as getting in on the ground floor. How did this? How did Mass BJJ come about? Um, so we're we're training at Boston BJJ. I ended up opening an office out in Acton. I was working in, in finance, and um, Pat just bought a house in Acton. And it was hard for me to get back to. Um, at this point, Roberto's in Newton, I think, when we started. It was just hard for me to get out there and train. And so Pat and I just started rolling in his basement a lot. And um, this before the shed? This is before the shed. We were in his basement. He had some men. Making sure we don't skip yep. past the shed story. No, no. So we were in his basement. And then... Um, was at the, uh, we, this has been coming up. So that, that kind of training where it's not go into a formal class, hang out, 15 guys that you guys were just training. Was he like your instructor or were you oh. guys just rolling you and Pat? Um, That's a different kind of training, which this comes up. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. So Pat, just, Pat was like Roberto's right-hand man right. when we were coming up. As I said, I wouldn't call Pat a training partner in that I couldn't really do anything to him ever right. until maybe now we're both old and he still, I keep, I tell him for years, I'm going to catch up someday. And he's like, every time I get older, you're getting older. And I'm like on your deathbed, I'm coming to your deathbed and I'm going to tap you. And he's like, <laughs> so, uh, I think Pat, I mean, Roberto's my instructor, right? Roberto is the instructor, but Pat was, I learned so much from Pat, from all the everybody, right? Kenny, right. those guys, all the guys that were teaching when I was taking classes too. And, uh, um, but yeah, so Pat and I would just go in his basement and roll. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Right. So it's we'd just, go in his basement. Free roll, yes. it's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'd probably roll for about forty-five minutes to an hour and a half straight. It was a, a hard pace, but a good pace. It was yeah. like going out for a good run, not right. a sprint, right? right. Um, and. And that was really good for me. And um, so I, I start, that started happening a lot. But then I'd be going back and training. People were like, oh, where did you get that? Or what are you doing? I'm like, oh, yeah, Pat. I've been training with Pat in his basement. We're doing this. And then and, and so people were like, hey, can I come train in Pat's basement? I'm like, I don't know. You ask Pat. You know? And next thing I know, it's like Gary was there, Will Cabot-Zinn. Do you remember Will? Will was there. Will was yep. awesome. Um, Jacob was coming down. There were all these guys that were just coming down into Pat's basement. And, uh, and so... We still didn't think about opening a school, but Pat lived in this little neighborhood, and they have those. Um, this is what you're asking. They have these, like if you live in a nice neighborhood, there's a. They had a little basketball court and soccer field for the neighborhood kids, and a little house. So maybe every month the neighborhood gets together and goes right. into that house and puts their casseroles there. Yeah, the barbecues are built in. So they said we could rent the house that that little thing out. Um, there's pictures of it in that room right there. You'll see pictures and. Uh, and so we would rent their little casserole room out and bring the mats down there. And at that time, Pat had just, it, we, he had been running Team Elite, which was the first MMA kind of team in Massachusetts where guys from all the different schools were coming in and training. And so Keith Raquel, George Rivera were in the UFC, Mike Brown. Um, they were all Team Elite? Yeah, everyone was coming down. Nuri, Matt Lee, uh, Sean Gannon was coming down. So many more guys than I can, can name were coming down. And uh, it was just great because we were in this little, like, again, it's like the casserole room. And here's all these gigantic guys, and we're just training there. John Connors would come down all the time. It's like a par party room, basically. And we'd just, yeah, yeah we'd just, Pat would show some stuff, and we'd just train. And it was hard training. It was great. And uh, then we ran out of room. 
And I'm gonna go back a second. Yeah. I heard stories that Pat would show up like on a I don't know if it was his lunch break from work or something like that. And he wouldn't like you guys would train Nogi in his underwear. In his underwear. <laughs> this is true. So, so no, okay. So let's go back. Yes, this is so. Jay Pat, was looking for Pat at that time yeah. because he wanted to train with him. Pat would. Pat would. I'd be in his basement, right, <laughs> waiting for him to come back. You know, he'd say, "Let's meet at five thirty, right?" So I'd get there, and if he was in traffic, and he'd walk in, and he'd had like his suit on, right, and he'd just take his suit off. Unbutton his shirt, take his tie off, take his shirt off, drop his pants. We're wearing his undershirt and his underwear. And he's like, all right, let's go. I'm like, no. Like, what are you doing? And he's like, <laughs> what's the pants on? And he's like, what's the matter? I'm like, you're in your underwear that you wore all day. Like, <laughs> so what's gross. the difference between this and Valley Tudor shorts? Okay, so in the time, yeah. we were all wearing Valley Tudor shorts right. that were pretty short and pretty tight. And so... But that isn't your underwear that you wore all day and sweated in. And, it's different. And so I'm like, I'm not rolling. I, I can't remember the first time this happened. I'm, I'm not rolling with you to put something on. And he's like, I'm just going to put Valley Tudor shorts that are just like this on. I'm like, I don't care. That's better than the underwear you wore all day. I mean, Pat would be, if he wanted to go north-south on me, he'd go oh, north-south, right? So I'm, I remember so the, the, on, your the elastic on those things wears out over time, you know? I just remember sitting there for like 10 minutes and him being stubborn and like, come on. No, I'm not rolling with you. Come on. It's, it's, what's the, I'm not rolling with you. I don't even. Just, all you have to do is go upstairs and put something on. Right. And the next day he did the same thing. I wouldn't roll with him. And that, that ended. It was like two times. And uh, You know what's funny about that? Pat still doesn't give a shit. He played like, strip king of the garden here once. Not, I wasn't here, but I got a call. And they said, <laughs> if you got your guard pass, you had to take a piece of clothing off. And there's a guy named Taki. And they said Taki was down to his jock. <laughs> when they stopped it. And this is at the last school where we had... Downtown, right? We, yeah, we had... A, it was Big all windows window. in front. I mean, I, I'm trying to make this a This is not that school. long ago. Yeah. Like, this is... This is when I years. had calls about Jay. Jimmy would call me when Jay right. did certain like, things. What happened? Did Jay show up? <laughs> is that why we're doing this? Right. My room was the back room. I, I remember I got a call once from and Jimmy, and he's like, I don't want to tattle, uh, but I just want to say that when Jay was teaching, uh, his pants were not all the way on at one point and something came out. And like as he's doing it, I see a call from Jay. And Jay's like, I just want you to know, because you're probably going to hear it from someone, that I'm really sorry, but accidentally at one point, my pants might have come down and people might have saw something. I'm like, oh, Christ. I remember that day like it was just, the problem was is that I didn't, ha- I didn't bring a sunga. I like go into my bag. I'm like, what's a sunga? Uh, yeah, I don't know A what Speedo, is. like same thing. Like those... I still, I still wear them underneath the gi. Um, Women's underwear. I don't wear underwear. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> like, I know. I know. Uh, and it was one of those morning. It was the Saturday morning class, and yep. I think it was the Saturday morning class. Yeah. And I yeah. didn't. So I was like, "Well, here we go." So I put my gi pants on and my gi top on with nothing underneath, and the you know gi pants come untied. And so I went to stand up, and and I didn't have really a good grip on the pants. Like, it wasn't – I will tell you, like, when I do it on purpose. Like, you guys know when I do it on purpose. You know what I mean? I don't, like – it's like when people fart. I love how quiet everybody is. It's like, it's like when you just, just listen. Just let him keep talking. Yeah, it's, like, it's like I feel like when, letting him off the hook, and he doesn't what? even want to get off the hook. No, it's like when you <laughs> – like, some people will fart, and they'll be like, wasn't me. Wasn't me. That's not you. Jim. That's not me. I'm no, like, not. yeah, that was totally me. You You're know an I mean? owner. Hey, Pan Ams, <laughs> did you poop on the floor? 
It wasn't on the. It was in nature, man. What do you mean? How come when I went in the room, they were like, Jay pooped on the floor? What? That's what they told me. What are you talking Stunk about? Stunk in there. No. That's what they said. That was mostly Pell, by the way. I'm just... that. It was funky. I, I'm... They I said you not, pooped on the floor. That's ridiculous. And that my, is My ridiculous. daughter asked, she's like, did you step in the poop on the floor? That is ridiculous. That is a farce. <laughs> See, what? this is what happens to I me. I know. Pell, Pell sent me a text... I got to the hotel and checked in this weekend, and Pell t- sent me a text that uh, I think it was <laughs> this is so Jay, good. Jay trusted a fart and he shouldn't have, <laughs> right. and that was on the drive up. And then when they checked into the room, they said Jay Jay I, is using your underwear now. I I text Nate. I go Nate. Uh, I shit my pants, and I, I'm going to use your spare underwear. And he's like, someone else has got spare underwear. And I'm like, sorry, I already have one. Thanks. I told him, I was like, I brought one. <laughs> like, I have one nice pair of underwear at this point. And that was it. And I was like, ah. Oh, like, right, they're you're, all you're only up. gone for one day. Yeah, I brought oh, one extra man. pair right, so like, I could go put them on for the next four, day. Right, exactly. Yeah. And like, great. Now I'm going to the Hickson seminar with uh, no underwear on. <laughs> I, but, but just so we can keep some structure before we get to these. You went down to Sao Paulo recently. Yes. Well, what did you, why did So I went down there for a wedding. My best friend got married, and uh, I contacted Fabio Gagel so I could go down. I wanted to go down and uh, train as much as I could, and it just so happened the the four days I was there were the four days that was a holiday. You know, we have, like, Thanksgiving. It's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's kind of a holiday. And he's like, oh, man, like, there's no classes. But he's like, I'll I'll come in. I I don't think he wanted to either, but he's like, ah, you're coming all the way. He's like, "I'll, I'll come meet you. Just Did you know him beforehand? Yeah. No, no. Hit him up on Facebook. He messaged me back right away. I, I'm going to tell you, if you get a the chance. General. He, it, it, it was eye-opening and amazing. Um, some guys are, I mean, he's an eight-time world champion, right? Well, he's also produced some and, of and the that's best it. That's ever, right? Yeah. He, he's not just good at doing jiu-jitsu. He was an incredible teacher. And... Um, what do you think makes a good teacher, like, of jiu-jitsu? I don't know. That's... Dirty jokes. Well, in the case of, of Fabio, what were some of the things that knocked you out? Was it a conceptual thing, or it was, was it a detail thing, it was con- or was it a... It was concepts and systems, right? Okay. And, and that's something I'm very big on myself, yeah. right? I teach a lot of concepts to the point where I think my students are rolling their eyes half the time when I'm teaching. I don't think you should say that. Oh. Tonight was an, uh, an expl- uh, when Tonight I, was uh, an example well, of what you talked about. That's why when I talked about... fantastic. Well, thank you. I, I don't know if everybody <laughs> thought so. I could... I'm like... Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not that. It's why we're doing this. Right. That was crazy. Well, really good. Even when I started talking about a snowplow, like, I, you know. That was weird. Well, and and <laughs> they, they, they start rolling their eyes. But I, I'm trying to, like, use the analogies to drive home points yeah. of how we move and how we. Yeah. But I used the snowplow analogy before, and they were, like, laughing at me. So even when I had to start it today. So you, you meant that the snowplow can't just keep pushing the snow directly. It has to take an angle. It takes an angle. Away. And so when we drive right. into someone to set up our yeah. pass, yeah. instead of just driving forward with all our weight, if we angle our hips, yeah. right, now that person gets pushed yeah. to a side and we can start lurking, working yeah. our angles, right? I, I didn't really get that. But, yeah, so. but I, I, I saw I, you do the angle thing. That was awesome. Right. 
It's um, all right, Ron. You don't get most of it. Right. <laughs> well, honestly, I feel like like that was stuff we had covered before, and I knew you guys were coming out. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to like if I just build on that, you guys are getting thrown in through a whole another class that we already did to finish that. And I wanted to get to that end part of that. It was great. That yeah. series. That, that was, was that pain. Cool. I tried so bad to do that turn rolling, and I couldn't get there. I got That's, to the leg spot. It's always hard to get the class move right. That's why when you get it, you yell, class move. Right. Finish class move. I rolled with some guy who was doing the class move to me. I did it twice. Yeah, it was Nate. <laughs> um, so, so with Fabio, yeah. like he he talked. We started going, and he said, "I, I don't want to teach just a technique." You know, we we rolled for a little bit just to you know, get a feel. He probably wanted to see like, is this guy a black belt in karate, or is he you know <laughs> know what he's doing? And so we rolled for a bit, and then, um, but when he talked, he he talked a lot about the concepts behind why you're doing what you're doing and then the system and the order and how important that is, which is, he started talking about that. And then he, I think he was trying to sell me on that. And I'm like, I am on board. Like, just keep going. Like I'm loving, I'm eating this up. You don't have to sell me on that. I'm trying to talk about this all the time. So, you know, feed me what you got, you know? And he'd be like, no, but you really got to trust the system. I'm like, I, I get it. Yeah, I trust yeah, it. Yeah, I trust it. it. He was giving me good stuff where I was like, let's right. just keep going. And then it was supposed to be 45 minutes. I think we were there for an hour and a half and just working. And so, so for me, uh, he went over his system for just one system of uh, a setup from a guard pass and some variations of what happens when the person does X, Y, or Z off of it. And I left there with a, such a good understanding of what we went over and why you would do what you did. Um, it fit for what, where I am in jiu-jitsu really well, for what I'm working on. But I, wa- I walked away from there thinking, I bet I could hit every position and in between and learn his system for that. He's got something for there. Right now, like Roberto did that for me, right? When I came in, I try to do that for my students. But there's not, it's not everybody that you could go to that can do that. You know, I probably don't have to go back down to Brazil. There's guys that are closer that I could train with. There's everybody. You can learn something from everybody. I learn something from everybody all the time. Um, but he was, you could tell, just like with Hicks, and there, 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 it was another level. It was just another level, a lifetime of jiu-jitsu, a lifetime of having great people around him and a mind that could, um, they could take it in and organize it into a system, into like a flow chart that just worked and made sense. What, right? Like what was the, big, like the thing you took away from Hickson? Well, I had, I had trained with Hickson several times before that. Yeah. And, yeah. A long time ago? Yeah. Yeah, that's where when we at Rodrigo Vaggi's when Hickson oh, okay, would come right, out, right? And um, like when you trained with Hickson at Rodrigo's, was it like five people, ten people? Probably twenty people in there. there. Yeah, it wasn't huge all the time. Uh, there's a few times we went out there and stayed over too. And um, there's a video of him online, uh, basically just at the end of his class, ju- rolling with. Pretty much anybody in the class who wants yeah. to roll. Yeah, he's and of course, he's on the on video too, so he's he's you know pulling his, his awesome game. But um, but was that a commonality? Where yeah, that's we what just he get to the end and everybody be like, yeah, let's go. Yeah, that's what he did back then. Um, and but but that wasn't what you even the stuff he did the other day was some of the stuff I remembered him doing twenty years ago. And uh, I'll show you. I got a picture of. I took the same exact picture with him nice. yesterday that I took 20 years ago. I remember uh, coming into the old academy seeing your that picture, picture is with, there. With I'll show you. I'll send it to you. I was going to post it. I should have posted that when I got back. It was like, 
here we yeah. both are the same next to each other 20 years later, right? Like, yeah. like I only trained with him a handful of times, but he had a huge influence on my jujitsu and the way I, um, my perspective of jujitsu, what I thought was important. And, um, and he started talking about the breathing, breathing back here. And when you're stacked up and your legs are up over you, how you breathe back here and not here. And I'm like, oh, I remember this. From, I haven't even thought about this for so many years. And um, what do I walk away with Hickson? I think, so we were talking about the way Hickson approached, where, where Fabio, I'm working one-on-one with him. It's a different thing, right? And Hickson, I'm in a room with 300 other people. Yeah. So it's a different. It's different right off the bat. With Fabio, we picked one thing and went through the system of how everything changed together. Hickson showed, like what you would do with a, a new person that starts jujitsu. Here is the mount. Here's like side control. Here's the guard. Here's the back. Here's like he showed very basic things. And here's how you create a connection in every one of these. Like the chain, as you said, the chain was the connection. And let's go through several different positions and show how you create a connection and how you move. And I remember, like, I don't know if you were watching. What I kept doing at the seminar, I'd go practice the move a few times. And then I'd walk over to where Hickson was and watch him teach it to 50 different people. And I wanted to see what, what was he saying? What was he, how was he communicating with each person? There was a big guy, a little woman, overweight person, you know, whatever. And um, after a while, I, 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 he's like, listen, like everyone's like, remember we were doing like the push-pull drill. Like if you're from the clinch and the guy on the guy on that's clinched is just trying to control and not just get dragged around. And that person, other person's just moving. And everyone's like, and especially it was like always the, a lot of lower belts are like, my instructor showed where you trip here. And what if I did this? And hey, what if the guy does this? And, and Hickson's <laughs> kind of like, um, well, okay, so that's not what we're not concerned about that right now. We're just concerned with, with the connection and the principle. We'll get to the techniques. And that's when he finally stood up and he's like, listen, I know we all like paid the same amount of money to be here, but I don't want the lower belts to to keep asking like, well, what if the guy does X, Y, or Z? Because that's not the purpose of this. The purpose is that all of you, and I'm really hoping that your instructors are here and they can help, you know, bring this back into their academy that for whatever techniques you're doing, that you incorporate the, the, um, that connection into right. whatever techniques you you decide to do in the future, right? And you could see him like he's trying to be so nice and so polite. And yeah. he's like, okay, Stop I'm not gonna. You. No, he's like, okay, we're not gonna do this anymore. And he starts walking to the stage, and someone's like, sir, can I do one? He'd be like, of course, come on in, right? And then, right. okay, no more. We're gonna, we're gonna go back to the stage, and someone else goes, Hexen, can I go? And he he did it with everyone. I mean, he was super nice yeah. and super polite. But I think that's what I walked away with was, and he's on another level, right? And and he's a quarter of that room at least were black belts. And there, I was looking around, there's some good black belts in there too. There were and, more black belts, I think, than any other belt yeah. that was there. And and those were the guys that I really saw with their eyes open going, oh, yeah, yeah, like, I get it. I, I'm seeing this. It's going to trickle into all these other areas of my jiu-jitsu, right? It's so common the things that he was nullifying were things that you think about, like, especially when you're drilling, that you fall into this, this comfort zone where the guy's kind of working with you and you escape, you get the escape even though if he was resisting it. Like everything that Hickson yeah. taught was based on the concept of the other guy resisting. Like simple things like what makes a scissor sweep work? What makes a mount escape work? And he would, it was so black and white to me. Like Hickson would be like, he would show it and he'd be like, this is what's wrong and this is what's right. This works, this doesn't, this is black and this is white. And it was amazing. And the funniest part was the arm bar. Because he showed, like, I do my arm bar in a similar fashion, but I cross my feet. 
like I do the snap over the shoulder and I lock my feet. And he called it the bite, but he didn't cross his feet. And I'm sitting there next to Pella. I'm like, why doesn't he cross his feet? Like it's, it's really powerful to cross his feet. I think that's like totally fine. This is the biggest asshole move on the planet. Jay knows better than Hicks and Grayson. <laughs> and then someone in the crowd is like, Hickson, why don't, why don't you cross your feet? And then he, like, he tells him why, and it's all about the bite and his ability to like use the leg to, hoop, to get over the head and also to keep the guy from pushing in. So he's not committing to anything like he right. would be if you it's, it's For him, it was the hips, because as soon as the guy got like, to a position where your knees got brought to your chest and you're trying to armbar, his view was that the armbar was done, and he's right. But it was so funny, me walking away from that, being like, what kind of an f- idiot am I? Like, yeah. to be like, oh, well, I know, and Hickson doesn't know. And of course he's right. Of course he's right. Like, the guy is like the greatest living example of jujitsu on the planet. Well, that, you know what I mean? That, and it was just such a, all those things were such yeah. a mind-blowing. But that, that's the thing, right? I'm looking around the room, and Hickson's teaching very basic things. And this could be anyone, though. You go to a seminar, or you go to someone's class, where I'm, I'm teaching, and I, I want to do a specific thing for a specific reason, and there's always a few guys in the class. Well, the way I do this is, and I'm just like, oh, that's not going to work when I do the setup to the next thing. Like, there's a reason I want you to do it this way. Just do it the way I'm, I'm telling you to do it, right? <laughs> and I'm sitting there, I'm with because I'm working with Pell, and I'm like, and he's like, well, what do you do when I do that? I'm like, I'm going to do this. And then I'm catching myself. Okay, I'm not going to do what I like. Right. I'm doing the I'm way Hickson but, does it because right. there's a reason. The, the greatest guy in jiu-jitsu is having us do this. Like, there's but, no but I do his, it this way. Look at his audience. His audience is people that think creatively about this all the time, forever. Passionately. Don't make shit for money doing it. It's just what they are. Yeah. So, of course, they're going to do that. But it's, but it's easy. And I'm sure his, his, his shit can handle a little bit of poking. Like, no, no, like, no. Well, oh, why don't you cross your feet? Well, be, here's why. It's right. Not, oh, no, no. I, I went yeah. up and asked him one-on-one why. I, I went up and asked him that before yeah. he said it over there. I was like, oh, really? I, I wanted to know. Because he kept saying it. He made a purpose. And I want to know, well, what exactly? Is it because this opens the knee? And he's like, yeah. Oh, you, you mean the same thing Jay was wondering? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We well, all. Because he, he, yeah. he just kind of yeah. said it when, the, when he was doing it. He's like, and just don't cross your feet. And then. Right. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't like a normal armbar. He had like one leg over the shoulder and was keeping his yeah. hips straight. And um, I think it's very easy for all of us, especially maybe the longer we do it too, to fall back into doing what we're comfortable doing. And th- this last two weeks, going to Brazil and getting to go train with Hexen, and uh, I get to be a white belt. Do right? you remind me of? Uh, I get to be a student. Fascinating. So, so why not? Why not just stay with what you're comfortable with? You're really fantastic at this. So, okay. I, I heard you ask this before on the podcast. When something new comes out, do you go, oh, shit, more stuff to learn? Exactly or what do you? Right? Well, you asked that. I think you've asked that before to people. I try to put it differently. Yeah. But no, but I love <laughs> how I'd quit jujitsu. If there was nothing left to learn, what's, what's the fun part of it, well, right? You, it's but, like a right. video game that you win. Right. The minute I win that video game, I'm done. I'm not playing that game. But is getting learning a new, a new technique? That's what I'm saying. Is it the new techniques that you're learning? Or is it just using yeah, what you so, do okay, well so, okay. in a different way? So that's a hard question. We could spend the whole podcast on that question. Because what it comes down to, I think, this is this is where I am right now with my jiu-jitsu. It's been about 20, 21 years now I've been training. Um and, and again, the last few weeks, I feel like a beginner with a really good understanding that I'm a beginner going w- with these guys. 
Um, the techniques are bullshit. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. You'll get them. You'll learn them. You'll learn this arm bar and that sweep and this escape. And what matters is, and, and this is what like, it drives me crazy for how stupid I am. But like for the past, I'd say the past year, maybe, I bet my students can tell you. I've just been trying to do what I did when I was with you. Just just hang out on top yeah. and be heavy in pressure. My back hurts, so I've been trying to stay off my back a little bit. I'm, I'm really my guard guy, like yeah. coming up. Yeah. I shouldn't be anything, but that's what I came up. I'm a little guy. I got stuck on my back all the time, but my back hurts. So I've just been getting on top and being heavy. And not Surfing. really, I'm not worried about the technique. I'm not worried about what pass or what finish or what whatever. I'm just enjoying the moment that I'm in and... I'm surfing, exactly. That's what it felt like. It felt like you were surfing. And when you're surfing, you're not beating the ocean. You're not trying to win. You're just enjoying the ride that it's giving you, right? And when I'm wrestling with someone, and this has just been the past year or so that I've really got this, and I just love the ride, you know? And can I be heavier without being tighter and using arms and muscles and grips? And can I relax that and just move and feel it and flow? And When you were teaching the guard pass in there... I almost wanted to ask you, are you like driving with your legs? And But I could tell you weren't driving with your yeah. legs. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I wanted just... to make it you driving with the legs. But, and <laughs> then when you did it to me, it was like there was no driving. But there sometimes was no... there is, right? So again, right. I, if I'm on Jay and I have to do this, he's a bigger guy than yeah. me. He's good. And like I'm going to have to be using different parts of, you know, right? you don't go out and win the black belt division and adult in the Pan Ams or the Mundials. Without having that, the grips and the tight and the oomph and the, yeah. you need that. But if that's all you have and you don't have the other part of it, then you're not going to win either. Mm-hmm. Now, as I'm getting older, and right, I've had surgery on my neck, just had an MRI today on my lower back. Uh, we've all, we all have our things. We get older. We've been doing this for a number of years. Falling apart. This part, the muscles, the grips, the that part of my game has gone. When I, when I was younger, I was all uh, foot in the bicep, leg lasso. Didn't matter who it was. Upside I'd down, ride it out. I'd get upside down. It wasn't really um, a rubber guard back then, but I was doing that. And and then my meniscus is start going. And I, I remember there's a point where I'm like, I don't think I'm going to be able to keep doing jiu-jitsu. <laughs> like, I can't do any of the stuff I used to be able to do. And I just adapted my game. Honestly, the, the whole game Marcelo plays, that whole sitting, dragging, <laughs> guillotining, that loop choke with the gi, guillotine note, took all the pressure off my knees. I just get to play on the bottom and just... Again, like on the top, I'm just in for the ride. I feel like that guy's game is made so that he'll be able to continue to do it for 90 more years. Like that's, it seems like that's the point. Yeah. Like it, all the and we're all going to try to do what out. he's doing, and none right. of us will ever do it right. as well as him. Right. right. Well, I mean, but you can do it your own way. But but so that kind of leads on to. I mean, it, it's too big a question to say why do you do this. That doesn't mean it. But but so you are fascinated with whatever your version of progression is. Is what you're saying. Mm, that's that's loaded too, right? Uh, before I did this, I was I was a big skateboarder. That's all I did. I skateboarded every day, all day. I wanted to get better, but it wasn't getting better for the sake of getting better. If I went out and kick flipped over a trash can off a bank and landed it, there's a feeling you get, and that's like, uh, yeah, like you fall twenty times, fifty times, a hundred times, whatever it is, and then you land it. And it's like, oh, that was perfect. I wonder if I can do two. <laughs> you know? It's never, it doesn't right. end. It's like, right. well, I did it. I'm done skateboarding. I yeah. won skateboarding. So what is that now? 
in jujitsu? Yeah. Well, where are you right now? Where, where, do you have an equivalent? To, I don't think it matters, right? The day, the first day, I remember I, my, my, I picked up skateboarding later than my friends, and they yeah. could ollie, and I couldn't. I remember my friend's mom said to each of us, and what's, what's your favorite trick you can do? And they're like, I like to ollie. I like to do a shove it. And I'm like, I don't know how to do anything. <laughs> I, really. I, I can get on the I, I can get on the grass on a skateboard that just has trucks and no wheels, and that's the only way I could ollie when I first learned. I couldn't do it with wheels on the pavement. Right, so I like took the skateboard over the grass, and she probably thought I'm an idiot. Right, <laughs> uh, he's special that one. Yeah, <laughs> you know, fine. This guy, he might need a helmet uh, <laughs> um, all the time. But so, so but then the I, surfing, but then I could ollie. Now, right, I'm like, I can ollie. This is awesome. Well, now can I make it flip? Or now can I spin it? Now can I? Yeah. It, it doesn't matter where you're at. It just matters that you enjoy what you're doing. Right. I'm never going to be. I was never going to be a pro skateboarder, but I really like doing it. Yeah. I don't think with my athletic ability. I'm pretty good at jujitsu, but I'm probably never going to be a world champion. Like in the adult level of jujitsu, there are better guys that are better athletes that no matter how hard I work, like I, that's the beauty in jujitsu. Like if you train long and hard enough, you can be a black belt in jujitsu. But I was never going to be a division one all-American wrestler. There's just no way. I, there's, I could train as hard and long as I want. I know people that are like that. Like this is like an argument I have with Jimmy where Jimmy gets mad. Like people, mm. People say it's all talent, but you don't see how hard I work. And I say, I, I know how hard you work. And I understand there's nobody gets to be a Division One All-American without working their ass off. Um, but th- I, it's not going to be me either, right? <laughs> right. I'm going to work my ass off. And I'll be a good wrestler. I'll be good, but I'm not that guy. Are, but, you, are you still interested in competing? Not really. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I'm in formal competing, you know, like uh, yeah. competitions that, you know. Uh, the way sport jiu-jitsu is going, I, I don't like it at all. You know, I, really, I competed. I comp- when I was younger, I competed in everything I could find. And and I did every jiu-jitsu tournament I could find. I did catch-as-can wrestling tournaments. I did judo. And I had to end up, and I started taking judo just so I could compete in judo. Not even learn. I didn't, I just wanted no, no, to. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, I'm in guard. Great. You can't pull guard. But like, oh, fail throw. I'm going to go in my guard and try to tap someone, right? Um, and the guys were like, you, you can't do, you can't keep doing this. You have to start taking judo if you want to do it. And honestly, it was a great thing. It le- I of went course. and took judo for years and that helped me tremendously. But, you, right? uh, no, no, I was in Kansas when I was oh, doing this. Oh, really? So, yeah. And, um, so the way sport jujitsu is going and I, I, I actually, the master's divisions, I like watching more than the younger guys cause they kind of yeah. still go out and fight for the takedown and, yeah. uh, fight for the pass and the win. And, but I remember when I was competing, and, and then I had I, I got into MMA, and then I had neck surgery. And I remember I was like, okay, well, I'm not competing, at least for a while, until my neck heals up. And I just focused on just training. And all of a sudden, I started liking jiu-jitsu so much more than I did, because before I was passing to get my points, holding that position. Maybe if I get here, I get the advantage. And now I'm going to go back and play it safe, and then they're going to explode because they're down. And now I'm going to finish my pass and get into position. And my my jujitsu became this small world of doing the same stuff over and over for me. And I know this isn't for everybody because I know people that listen to compete and like, hey, screw this guy, I love it. Like I we have people that compete. I'm I love being a part of that. But where I am in my world right now, um, 
I love rolling like we rolled today. Yeah, it was awesome. And I love teaching. I love what you talked about, that new guy that comes in and doesn't quite know what he's getting into. He could, I, this could be a karate school for all he knows. Not to bash on karate, it's great too, you know, whatever, but whatever. This could be whatever. He just like saw, hey, there's some martial arts school and he walks in. And I want, I want to open his eyes and have him see what this really is, Right. Because there is, there's this point, and maybe it's two months, three months, five months in for these people where they get, they're like, oh, I got something special, right? They get that feeling. Mm-hmm. And and right now, like teaching and and just rolling is what interests me. MMA is the same way. I, I just find um, something I love so much, it becomes like, what are you doing? It's like, okay, it's three, five-minute rounds or five five-minute rounds or you fight amateur and you get your three three-minute rounds and how do we go out and pace these five minutes so that you can implement your game and if you can't here's your a game your b game your c game uh and how do you pace that so that you win each round um you know so you're gonna fight for the knockout or the submission whatever your, your strength is but you gotta pace your rounds and fight for your rounds and that doesn't interest me. That's not why I got into this. I mean, it's funny because Hickson talked about this at the end of the thing. Someone said something about him being a fighter, and he's like, I'm not an MMA fighter. I never consider myself an MMA fighter. MMA fighter fights to, to win a round or, you know, show the judges what he can do. And he's like, when I fought, I was either going to die or submit my opponent, right? And when I got into this, into jiu-jitsu, I was not getting into jiu-jitsu so I could rack up advantages, and I was not getting into jiu-jitsu so I could, you know edge out a round on the judge's scorecard and just edge that 10-9 out, you know. Um, and as I'm, as I'm older and my attributes are not what they used to be, the rolling is what interests me and what keeps me here in my head uh, engaged and here in my heart loving it. Right now, we have guys fighting MMA. We have guys competing in jiu-jitsu. I'm there helping and coaching, and I like being a part of what excites them. It excites them. They want to do this. Like, I'm in, I'm on board. I, I'm, I love it. Right? Came in when you guys were training for the Pan Ams. It was awesome. Like you guys were kicking the crap out of each other, and place was just good energy. And I watched. I, I was home. I couldn't go out because the trip to Brazil and all this and Sue's like yeah we've got a lot of stuff going you really going to California I'll skip this one um, I see I think you were one of the first people I saw Sajeev I see the hands raised yeah. the pictures I'm like oh yeah this is awesome <laughs> like I'm like it's awesome but for me personally that's that's just not where I'm where I am and uh, I mean to each their own that, that's kind of the beautiful thing in this right you, you, there's so many different ways to go different outlets to to pursue and enjoy and Right, people come in and they go play in a hockey league as an adult for a few years, and they get bored with it, and they quit, and they go do something else in a few years, and then they go garden, and then they go do whatever. Right? Uh, I think one of the things in jujitsu is you can compete for a while. You can go fight in MMA and be like, you know what? I really don't want to get punched in the head anymore, but I'm going to go do some jujitsu tournaments. You know, this is awesome, and like, man, my back and neck are killing me, and I don't have anything left in this knee. Um, wow, I can roll at least. I'm going to keep rolling, and like. You have a lot of things you can keep doing in here. You don't I, have I to go on one path. And I think it's, it's. I mean, some people never compete. Uh, most people never do MMA or things like yeah. that. But I think there's a natural cycle where where people, how they exist with their own jujitsu and with themselves. Yeah. And some things, sometimes it's things outside of your skin that influence you to go and behave in a certain way. And sometimes it's just 
where you are with your jujitsu in your life. You're like, I want to go to compete or I don't want to compete. And then later on, like, I don't know what it was that made me want to start competing again, but it just did. And it's kind of, you know, and it's, you know, what I want to do. And, yeah. But there's there's definitely a life cycle to it where I'm going to be like, I could easily put it back down and go back to, because there is, it's training a different way. Yeah. And I really like training jujitsu just for fun. I really, really like that. And I think that's, you know, that's partially, you know, because it's where we all go to hang out with our friends, right? Yeah, that's a big part of that. And it's because I like not... There's a tension when all the four pan ams. Yeah, that's... You can feel it. And it's nice after that's over when you just go in and you're like, ah, oh, let's just have fun. Well, that's yep. most of the people I know. There'll be people listening. They go, that's not me. But most of the people I know that when they fight, especially in the beginning, they put you in the ring or the cage. That door clicks behind you and you go, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> yeah, I remember walking in, walking in for a fight and I'm, I'm, I had to go to the bathroom. Right? You know, you get your nerves, right? Yeah. And I, I go and, and it's like someone shit all over the toilet. I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm not using this. And. And so uh, Doug Kalend is like, come on, Nate, we're going to go to the Dunkin' Donuts across the street. We'll go over there. And uh, we're walking out, and two guys, they're drinking beers, walking in the place, right? And they're like, hey, like, who's fighting tonight? And the guy's like, I don't fucking know. I just want to see someone get knocked out. I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this in front of these people? I'm, they just want to see me get knocked out, right? <laughs> get in the ring. I'm like sitting there like. I don't have to do this. I could probably leave, right? You know, like the bell rings, you go, you're fine. Like there, there's this thing, I, I, Jimmy says it. I, I'm like, Jimmy is the coolest competitor. When he goes into competition mode, he is, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing to see. It's he gets in, yeah. it's funny, we, we, we'll, he's warming up and everyone in the place starts, even before he was on the Ultimate Fighter, just a guy fighting, right? And I see everyone like looking, I'm like crap, this guy is intense. Like he goes through his whole series of warming up and shooting and moving. Um, but he's like, we talk after. I'm like, well, I don't know. It's easy for you. You're just like, go in there and smash people. He's like, no. When they close the gate, I'm seriously thinking, I can. it's not closed yet. I can get out. I don't have to do this. Why am I doing this? I have a good job. I'm a smart guy. I don't have to do this. <laughs> Click. Like, oh, it's closed. I guess I better fight. You know. And, and, but it just looks like he's just like standing there right. like, I will kill you. I, I must well, you guys, you. you guys talk really casually about this kind of stuff. About, you know, you train MMA and then you just go fight MMA and shit. But... It's a it's a monster deal. It's a on a humanity level. Most humans, well, I shouldn't say most. Yeah. Many humans never deal with that shit. Yeah, never. Yeah. It's against human nature to get locked in a cage and fight for quote right. unquote your life. Well, well the thing is, you know there's, I mean? there's the reasoning behind it. Like, so you know, if you're walking down the street and some guy comes up and you know and uh, attacks you or your wife or whatever, there's there's a very solid set of reasoning right there. But this is different. And the guy theoretically you're fighting is not some guy on the street. It is someone who is trained just like you have. Yeah. It's got to be super personal, super emotional. And there's no way, I mean, your brain is just not going to perceive this as a normal day, man. Like, it's just not. No, of course your brain's going to go, and it's God even damn worse. It. It's even worse now when those guys have to cut so much weight. Right, and yeah. They're mis- I mean, we, we go to Vegas all the time for these fights, right? And, or wherever they're fighting and... and Everyone's like, "Wow, that's amazing! You get to go to Vegas all the time, like a week vacation." I'm like, we're sitting no, but like we sit in the hotel room. They're nervous. They've been dieting down. They're miserable, and then they got to start cutting the water weight off. And so, whether they're doing bathtubs or saunas or whatever they're doing for that part, that's a nightmare. And you're like dragging them out, and oh, you can't get out. You know, <laughs> you know, it's miserable. You know, it's it's a it's like 
mental torture before you go and physically torture yourself, right? Right. And um, again, back in, in the old days, it was more like you, I just wanted to test my jujitsu, right? Hoist Gracie did this. I started doing this because Hoist Gracie did this. I want to try this and just test my jujitsu. It's different. It's not like that now. You're not testing your jujitsu. It's a sport you have to, now. Yeah, it's a sport that you have to train for the sport and athleticism. Other, yeah, and, that, and that's what doesn't interest me in MMA so much. And someone said it before, but it's who's the big, who's the better jock at this point? Everyone's trained reasonably yeah, really, really super well, yeah, and it's right. like, okay, who's who's the better athlete? You know? So, so the, the that guy, you. When you were younger, you said, you know, hey, you know, Hoist Straits racing this. I want to do this. The the one that goes, I think I could just take this guy out. My, you know, Taekwondo, you know, that kick guy. Kick him in the head. Soften him up in the body. That guy. So, I don't know if you know what I mean by, like, self-selecting, but when people come in here, do you feel like there's, like, a warrior type? And maybe they don't know it or they do, and that's what brings them in here, and then they're in here, and that's where they excel? Or do you think it's the other way around? Someone comes in and you're inspiring them to be that warrior, that person. Just opinion. Yeah, I, I don't know. I because I I think that you're talking about jujitsu over MMA at this point. Right? No, I'm talking about jujitsu and like the people who stick with it. Are right, they self-selected? Right. Were they already warrior no, types and they just didn't so know it? You, you know. I think that you get a weird group. You have your guys like Chris Chappell that I was talking about that like. Day one, just kept saying, "Hey, we doing rounds today? We doing rounds or no matches?" He kept asking, "We're doing matches." Right. I'm like, uh, "Yeah, we're, yeah." I'm like, "What do you what do you mean by matches? You know, right. we we're going to wrestle that. at the end, like, yeah. Yeah. right?" That's his thing at first day, right off the bat, day one. You know, when he said he wanted to fight MMA at some point, like, no doubt he wanted to fight MMA. I knew he, you know, uh, he was a fighter when he came in, and he was always good at jujitsu. He was always going to be good, and then you have people that come in that surprise you that but intellectually they get it they get in they they're not physically strong they're not the best athlete they never did stuff but they're smart and they learn to train right and they learn their leverage points and how to move and how to counter and they become good at jujitsu and and i i think i stopped i i stopped I, do i do it yeah I, I know i do it where i'm like this guy's never gonna stick through this but I remember Steve Kim, his first day of jiu-jitsu. Um, John LaCroix brought him in. And I don't know if you remember John, but... A uh, little bit, yeah. John brings his buddy Steve Kim in. Steve is this overweight kid with pimples all over his face. And John is a blue belt that just mercilessly beats the hell out of his friend, right? John, John would kind of be on the short end of the stick a lot in training. So he just brought his buddy in and beat the crap out of him. And I remember looking at him like he was, he was about to throw up or have an asthma attack. I'm like, this kid's never coming back to jiu-jitsu. Steve Kim right now is an amazing black belt. He's an amazing black belt under Henzo Gracie. Um, That's what I'm fascinated with. Like right? Something flipped the switch in that guy. And it may have been, like I said, he was just born a warrior type in the first yeah. place. He just lived in the wrong body and yeah. the wrong parents. But or maybe here's the thing. something, maybe it was reaction to the bullying or whatever. So it I, I think people you, surprise you. Yeah. And you, you definitely that like you find out how much spirit a person has to stick around and keep training. But I don't, a lot of times I don't think it's the, you know, their, their, you know, their, their inner warrior comes out. Sometimes it's just like, yeah, it kind of sucks to get pinned to the ground and, 
you know, just people giving up all that control and being dominated until you figure out how to start moving. But some people, they don't look at that as I have to fight back. It's more like I got to figure out, I got to just know what, how this is working. And, they, and their mission mm-hmm. is to figure out how yeah. it works so that they can start to move their body and create space. It's not a fight. It's not they don't view it that way. It's a it's it's a it's like a psychological challenge for them. It's like a Rubik's cube that they need to solve. So it's which is the great thing about jujitsu is people can come in and do this, and there's not meat and chains hanging off the walls. Like anybody <laughs> yeah. can come in and learn it, and it's because you don't have to be Chris Chapel. You can be, you know, Duncan Watt and come in and learn jujitsu and. The result ends up is what you want to go and do with it, whether you want to do MMA or you want to compete in jiu-jitsu or whether you just want to train to learn about yourself and learn jiu-jitsu, you'll get that. But it doesn't have to be a fight. So yeah. your inner warrior doesn't have to come out. every. You don't have to, like, turn green every time you get on the yeah. mat. You know what I'd yeah. say for what your question is is to invert it because what I see more often is who's going to quit, not who's going to stay. But that's the question. Like, but, but, why don't they quit? But, but is you know what it is? you? Or well, is it because of them? There, I think it's a lot. Of, it's a, it's, a, it's okay, so many reasons like that, yes. But, but you know, we, you, everyone, every gym gets that guy that comes in that just goes too hard. And you're like, hey, like, slow down. You're going to hurt someone, right? And they keep going too hard. And they want to be the one winning. Yeah. If they're winning, they're great. Henzo says it, right? Some days you're the hammer. Some days you're the nail. Right. They want to be the hammer. In every role. And so finally, you're like, I'm not putting you with the normal students. You're going to go with my good students and you're going to get hammered until you learn to slow down. Those are the ones that I think he's either going to get it and learn to relax or he's going to quit. He just is not going to get that he can't come in here and beat people up. Right. right? People come in. I want to, I, I'm, a, I'm a street fighter. I'm undefeated on the street. That usually means those are the people where I'm like, yeah, this guy's not going to last. Right. They go roll. They get their ass handed to him. And they leave and they don't come back because they don't like losing. It's not why they show up. Most people, if you're normal, you're going to come into a jiu-jitsu school and people are not going to murder you. You're probably nervous when you walk in. You know, you get in there, you do a class, people are friendly. If you enjoy yourself, you learn a few things and you should walk away feeling somewhat empowered. Mm. Right? And like, wow, like I knew nothing before I came in here. And now I just learned if some guy's sitting on top of me, I learned how to trap his arm. And flip them over, and I can get out of that. Now, the reality is, you're probably not getting out of a mount after one day of jujitsu, but uh, but depends it's if a path. you spend Sunday in Saratoga Springs, right? But you have a pathway, and and it's an empowering feeling. You know, you ask like, why do we keep doing this after all this time? For each anybody listening, you guys, think about if you hated the people you train with. You might love jujitsu, but do you think you'd still do jujitsu if you hated all the people you train with? Like, people sometimes have great jobs and they work with horrible people and they leave, right? Uh, People sometimes have jobs that aren't that great, but they love the people they work with and they stay. And I think that's a huge part of when someone comes in. It's an intangible. Do they come in? Do they click? Is the community nice? They welcome. How does that that part happen? Yeah, I'm going to call that that out. I'm going to call it out, which is that not every school ends up that way. And I think that's where it does come down to the instructors. It does come down to the people that are running it. 
when yeah. we started the school, I, I can remember sitting at Pat's house and we, so you, this kind of after we had this little shed place, people started showing up and we were like, shed. well, I guess we need, the a bigger, we need a bigger place, right? <laughs> Pat, so we rented. We're, we're going to do a business here. You just got to get the underwear away. Yeah. Right, right. Um, so, so we rented this place by the hour and it was great because I think we paid like 10 or 15 bucks an hour and they let us put mats in there. Is that, it was the old Acton Exchange Hall, that old yellow building. You'd have yep. to walk all the, the stairs up. Yeah, a lot of people talk about that place with a lot of like Go good memories because yeah. that was our original place the guys that started there josh chris jimmy you know all, all the guys and yeah, they were they were all part of that original um, school and we'd roll the mats out roll them back up when we were done the heat would break it was a it was a 250 year old building like 1700s right the heat would break the windows are all horrible we went in there once and, and we couldn't get the mats to unroll because it was below freezing there. The mats had frozen. <laughs> and when we unrolled them, it sounded like glass shattering. And I'm like, what nice. the hell is that? No, the, the you know, the rubber mat, the, the rubber that's on a wrestling mat. Yeah. Uh, wow. There are wrestling mats. It, it shattered through all. It was like spider. It just It just shattered everywhere like that. You know, I remember training there with the, no heat. So if you were sitting there, when you stood up, you stood where you were stand, sitting because that was the only was the only warm spot, spot to be. It was, it was crazy back then. But when we started the school, I can remember sitting there with Pat and we were like, okay, like number one, we know we're going to have good jujitsu, right? We've been teaching. We're, we're going to be able to offer good jujitsu. That's the first thing we need to offer. Number two, we want to have an inviting place so that it's not just the tough guys that come in and thrive in this environment. Mm. We want to make it so that your average person that can come in can, can get to do this. And so we have to set the tone. and We have to set that example. And that was a big part of what we did when we started the school. And then those guys were really, Josh, and, and there's a guy named David Lee. You can see there's a poster or picture up on the wall there with a, a red gi hanging there. I don't know if you saw it on the left there, but he ended up having a heart attack and he died. Uh, David was a 51-year-old guy when he started training, had done Taekwondo his whole life at a very high level, said he walked into the school and was so nervous because he goes, you know, I've been following the jiu-jitsu stuff for years and I knew the Gracies would go in and challenge people and fight them. And if you found out I was this Taekwondo guy, would you going to beat me up? And I've been wanting to come and learn this, but I was so nervous. And this is right when we started the school. And David was never going to be the best jiu-jitsu guy in the world. He would be the first one to say that. But he said, I can be a great ambassador for the art. And so I know how I felt when I walked in the door. And so every time someone walks in, it's funny, Jimmy, when he walked in, uh, David was the first person that talked to him. It was like we, we had a night to remember him. It was the anniversary of his death recently. Post, yeah. And people were telling stories. I was surprised. I didn't know how many of our high-level guys were like, yeah, David was the first one that talked to me. He would go to the door, big smile. How are you doing? Come on in, you know, just greet those people that were so nervous walking up the steps into this place where are they going to kill me, choke me? What are they going to do? Throw me out the window? Um, and so we started it, but all those guys continued. Yeah. That. And I think we come from that. I mean, Roberto's place was Roberto's so friendly. He'd give you the shirt off his back, his gi, his whatever. For sure. We came from that. So it wasn't <clears throat> hard, but I think that's an important part of if you want to run a jujitsu school for normal people, you have to, make it accessible and inviting for normal people. And if you just want to have a, a group of people that, that kill each other and you know, let's put the gloves on and get in the cage and smash the hell out of each other, well, you can do that too, but you're not going to have people stick around that long, I don't think. You know what I think is, is interesting? I think we talked, we might have talked about this in a previous podcast, but it's, I think the, you know, you, you're 
arms have to be wide because a lot of time, like, you know, Jimmy Quinlan comes in. Jimmy Quinlan learns jujitsu. Jimmy doesn't need jujitsu. He's Jimmy already don't need jujitsu. Yeah, but so many people come in. Jimmy's do, new in town. They need to be there. <laughs> they, there's people that come in that need to be on the mats, and they there's need to find that out need to be in the school. Yeah, right. They need to be there. They need what jujitsu gives them. Um, and it's those people that I think like there's certain you know academies that you talk about that are like just run, like very competitive. There's meat hanging off the walls. They train like animals every night, and those people can't. This is not that. It's not a church for them to go. And figure mm, and learn about yeah. themselves. They can't survive in that. And they're, they're not ready for that yet. Right. There's like one or two types of people that that works for. Right. The rest of them it doesn't. Well, see, that's why there's 300 people at Hickson Seminar the other day, and and that was cut off. Right. They right. cut it off at 300, and it, they pre-sold. And the minute the tickets went on sale, we had some people that didn't get on the pre-sale. Yeah. It, it sold out immediately. Right. And if you are a world champion in jiu-jitsu or a UFC fighter, I don't think you're going to get as big a draw as Hickson has. Because exactly what you said, not everyone is going to be a world champion. Not everyone is going to be a UFC belt holder. And but Hickson embodies, he was those things. I mean, you know, he was the great MMA fighter, the great jiu-jitsu guy. But he is embodies the art that like is spiritual. there for everyone. Yeah, he embodies the art that is accessible for everyone. And that, I mean, that's what he taught the other day. He taught stuff that no matter who you were in that room, you could do it. And and we all sat there in awe and, and looked at this guy that spent his life perfecting his family's art, this art that we love, right? Um, and and it's not, you know, it's not here's some techniques that I use to win the world championships or here's, mm-hmm. this is why we got, into this for most of us i think right what what we saw even if we watch the ufc it's like wow like look at what these guys are doing on the ground and like i want to be able to do that not necessarily i want to be able to win this i want to be able to do that and i think that that's what resonates with most people and that's what that's what is important like that part of the soul that you're, you're talking about it's it's something that someone can walk in the door not know what they're getting into, and then all of a sudden, if if we create the environment where they stay, it will change their life. And this is the hard thing to talk about on the street, right? I stopped talking to normal people that I know in everyday life about jujitsu because I yeah. feel like I'm trying to get them into my cult. Like, right. it's, like right. it's like we're crossing right. or something, right? So my religion is the best, or my view right. on politics right. is right. the best because right. here's why. And then you're like, and by the end, they're just like, uh, yeah, why don't you give me a card? And I, I can't even talk to people about it because I know that it, it's like this magical thing. That will you're gonna change your life. By choking the shit out. Yes, of someone, right. Right. I just and, choke and them, so and I you'll don't. Feel so good. I, I don't even say anything. Right. I just don't even say anything. They ha- <laughs> they have to walk in the door. But if they walk in the door and they make that effort, right. I want to do everything I can so that they can see what what this art has to offer. Uh, I think it brings balance. To I mean, and there's other things you can do where you could find that balance. But th- I talk about this a lot with a lot of the students where. You have stuff going on in your life, whether it's family or work or whatever. Stress builds up. Jiu-jitsu is a great stress reliever for that. You get to Preach. you get to wrestle the physical activity of it. Right. Yeah. You get the intellectual, like 
I go to what, what helps me fall asleep at night. I think of jujitsu. I know some people that winds them up and they can't sleep, but for me, I can think about it. It calms me. There's like an order, a system. It just calms me so I can fall asleep, but it keeps me intellectually attached to it. As, as weird as this sounds, the, the intimacy in jujitsu, I think, is very important. Yeah, nobody talks about it, but it's totally true. This, yeah. touching someone. I yeah. mean, people were made to touch each other for, for however long people have been around. That's what I keep telling everybody. He's <laughs> <laughs> been preaching that There's to also me. a reason why we have clothes. But, uh, but, but I a, think a it's an incredibly... Form of right. right. <laughs> but I think it's in, incredibly... Um, healthy and powerful yeah. i mean to think of it like like you you have a, a kid if you have kids or you are a kid right like i have my son and like the baby i'm right. holding him all the time he's a little kid i'm holding him i'm thinking like he's gonna start pushing away soon you know i want to yeah, hold him yeah, we, right. i come home the best feeling in the world i'm on the couch i come home i got a leg because my freaking back's killing me and he runs up and lays on me and wants to show me whatever he wants to show me and i just, I just that feeling of being with someone. Now, it's a little bit different than someone's choking you, but I think it's still an incredibly important thing in our lives. Think how many people, you can, they get in relationships, they've been in a relationship for a while, how much physical contact do you actually have every single day during, I mean, it's a small amount still, right? Well, imagine you go to the zoo and all the gorillas and they they spent the entire time never touching each other. Yeah. Like, that doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> but our the whole point is to go, hey, 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 hey I'm better than you today, you know that, right? Yeah, yeah you do. But so so but on the, the flip side of things too George. on the on Sorry. the flip side of things, a lot of people come in here and and just shit happens, right? They're going through a divorce, they get fired, they they don't have time and and they're it's killing them. And they're like, I, I don't have time to train, I can't do this and I'm trying to figure out how to make this work and, and this is my job. They're my students. I want them here. And I'm the one telling them, just take a break. Like right now, jujitsu is not bringing you balance in your life. You're stressing. You got your kids. You got your, you have to work. You're trying to split time and figure this out. Just we'll be here when you come back. But right now, this is not bringing you into balance in your life. And then that's what it's supposed to do. I love hearing you say that. I mean, most of the time, I think you're going to get the opposite reaction. Yeah. Just get here. Just get here and everything will be okay, dude. You know, you got to get here. And it's not, it, it, sometimes it's true. Right. It is. Sometimes you're right. it's not. But given the, the, putting that agency in the, in the person's hands means when they get here, it's going to mean right. that much more. But you can, see, you can see it with some people. They come in and they're frazzled and they start training and... And they just lose it, and they're just trying to. And you can see that they're too, the stress is too much on them, and the, and and jujitsu is not relieving the stress at that point. It's adding to their anxiety, and they they're in there thinking about, well, now I got to get my kid from my husband, and this and that, or I got to pick, you know, work, and my boss right. is doing this, whatever, whatever it is, right? There, everyone has shit in their life, right. and I think that is a, a very important part of why we do what we do. We this brings us balance. If you are doing this and you love this, it probably if you're listening to this podcast. You know, you you love jujitsu, and it means something. It is a if your life is like a, a piece of pie, a pie chart here. That it is a big slice of that pie of, of a, a meaningful part of your life. But again, there's a point where sometimes that pie chart's getting squeezed, and you can't throw your kids out, and you have to go to work. Uh, jujitsu, yeah, jujitsu has yeah. to has to go on the side sometimes, and. and um, but you're right, it's going to be there. It's not going It anywhere. will be there. 
Just your, get your, get your, your life your settled. Your friends are going to get be better here. than you, but yeah, that's the that's, um, that's the worst, <laughs> right? What you throw that in for? <laughs> no oh, reason. Oh man, no reason. You know what's funny? I um I always tell people that Roberto told me like people like to train, but you have to train. I no matter what's going, I'm on the opposite side. Like if I'm not training, like I'm there's not, that's I'm, when that balance gets way thrown out, and the maybe the whether I have a good day or a bad day on the mat, and sometimes it's better that I have a bad day on the mat. You know what I mean? I really get my slats kicked yeah. in and I, nothing's working, but I don't really care because for whatever reason, the second I step on the mat, no matter how serious it is, and I've, everybody, we've all gone through difficult things like while we've been training, you yeah. know what I mean? Every, like you have relatives die or you get sick or someone's sick or you got trouble at work or personal life or whatever it is, those things that have happened, various levels of seriousness for me, the second I step on the mat, I forget about it. And I don't think about it again until I'm done. And it's it, like... It's funny, as you're talking about this, Jay, I can picture Jay doing this over all the years. I can see him coming in. We'll talk outside. I know whatever's going on, he's stressed. And I can see him coming in and he walks in, you know, he ties his belt and his shoulders back and he has this like... <sighs> there's this... I can see, I can picture it with you, you know? And the smile on your face and like everything falls off your back at that point. I feel um, great when I'm training. Like... I'm like hobbling around, like I can barely get on the mat right now, but it's like the most fun thing I can do. And when I'm not doing it, I want to be doing it. And it just makes me feel good to be on the, and it, part of that is like, is loving the actual techniques in the game. But the other part is I feel like we're especially lucky that, you know, the, I don't think everybody has this, you know, the we have a, a, a group that, just seems inseparable. And we've been training together for mm. the last. Now the group's bigger. You know what yeah. I mean? Because yeah. we have schools and we have and we have students, and those students are not part of the group. They're yeah. part of the family. Like you hang out with them when you're not here, and you hang out with them on the mat, and you go to California and you compete. But that group is that family is super important, and it's like we we were talking on the way down here. You can roll with someone for enough time, and you may not know what they do professionally. You don't know what they're you know what they. But you know them, mm-hmm. and yeah. you know them at a very deep level. Like you can tell that you could probably tell people about that person about what they're like, because just because you've trained with them. Yeah, because you, you can't bullshit when you're training. Yeah, it's yeah. Like when you're training, like if if I'm, I roll with a, a bunch of new guys today, and it was great. Some of them are really intimidating looking. Yeah, you guys. You go the big guy. No, but you're you go the no, big no, guy. But to be honest, it was great. I mean, everybody was great, and uh, they got they got to know me. What do you think about uh, you know the concept of of the way you know at some point you guide the the call it the personality or the life of the academy, right? Like you set the rules, but at some point, you know, you have a lot of students that have been here for a long time, and it morphs it. They get it's it's almost as much theirs as it is, as it is yours now. And it changes the way things go and it morphs into something that, you know, that is awesome, of course. Like, it's awesome, but you're not in as much control as you'd like to believe that you are over the culture of the academy. Like, do you care about that? And you just, you know, as long as you're, you're, you're there's somewhere on the right path, like we're on this ride together. Or like, what's your feeling about that? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. Um 
I think I've gone through different phases over the years. When I was a new teacher, I think I thought about it very differently than how I think about it now. And I probably that may it may still kind of evolve in how I how I view it. Yeah, when you start off like this is mine, right? right. You come to my school, you listen to my rules. Oh uh, yeah. My class. And yeah. and I know better than you. So do it my way and just shut up and do it. Now, I'm not much of a hard ass. You know me. I'm a pretty laid back, mellow guy. Um, but, but still, some people come in and they're just completely disrespectful and it pisses you off, right? And you're kind of like, listen, like, this is the way it goes. Just do this. And I, I remember there was a point, this was years ago, and, this, and I, I'm, I'm good friends with my students. Like, I know there's some teachers that are not friends with their students. I know you're probably on the same boat with what we're like. Yeah. Uh, my students are a lot of my closest friends right now. And... Um, but I remember one day someone came up to me and they're like, Nate, like, what the hell's going on? You're mad all the time at us in here. You're always yelling at us. And I, I was like, I think I'm, I'm holding on too tight to having the rules a certain way, but I'm also really good friends with you guys and you guys are pushing it too far. And I think we've got to find some balance and we've got to just reassess where we are. I think I'm actually at that point right now. I'm not mad. <laughs> I'm not mad with anything that's happening, but I'm looking at what's happening around like, I talked a little bit about today, but I think I have to like go back. Like, say, we went to Brazil, and what did I see? One of the pictures I took was the rules at yeah. Alliance, right? Uh, you know, m- my students immediately start getting on the post on that, making fun of all the rules, and I'm like, Ugh, okay. that is not why I posted yeah. this. But but I I would so this is just I think this has got to be a personal thing for every instructor, right? Mm-hmm. Like I want. The fun. I want us to come in, and I like that they make fun of me. But on the mat, it can only go so. It can only be so much. There has to be a level of respect, a level of right. And and, and Jay's a great example. Jay is Jay. Like we all know Jay. And if you're listening and you don't know Jay, um, Jay's that friend. But on the mat, Jay is like always been so super respectful when he's here to me to the school and. I think that's what I look for, right? I don't want to make so many rules in that this is my school and you all have to be this way. Because you're right. It's their yeah. school as well, much it's, as it's mine. It's their class, right? I mean, the thing, it's, it, there's some easy questions there. Like, guys, do you want to do this without me? No. So what are you asking me to do? If you're asking me to just come along and, you know, fuck around with you guys, then okay. But I mean... What do you really want? So if you need me to do this, this is how it has to happen. I, I think that was really apparent in this class today. You know, we came in and went and saw it, and I don't think any of that's gone. I don't want to characterize your class. I don't know it that well. But, I mean, they, they definitely respect that you're here. Yeah. They oh, want no, you to be yeah, there. Yeah, all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So that structure is all in place. Right. It's just a matter of jamming up a, you know, you know cut your fingernails sign, then that, yeah, that yeah, should yeah. be easy. No, no, no. <laughs> it's not anything big. There, it's always little things, yeah. right? It, there's no, I don't no big problems, but it's always like the little things you see that you think, yeah. huh? Like, um, it is true. The the, that, the judo thing is was super structured, right? Like, you, this is the north and the south and the east and the west of the dojo. This is where you this. Everyone's by the rank. Da da da. And it does solve a lot of problems because everybody has to bow way in. Everybody has to bow. Down. And if you don't, you kind of fall out of line. So there's just so much shit going on that everybody just doesn't even bother. The, you know, so it's it's 
not that this is too casual. It's not too casual, but there is a, a little bit of a casual nature yeah. to well, generally jujitsu in general. Yeah, that's that's culturally how jujitsu is. I mean, there's varying levels of it. There's there, you know there's some bowing and, and some rules that are that even I like. I generally follow some of these rules, but as it's more laid back than traditional martial arts. It's it's culturally the way it is. In fact, I would I would argue that if it's too much in the other direction, then it's not really jujitsu almost. Mm. Yeah, I wasn't you know calling I mean? for change. No misunderstanding. I wasn't calling for change. But, I was calling stuff out. You know, Balance I, again. Yeah. I, I think about like, you know, I come, I love coming to classes here. You know what I mean? Because while well, I'm super comfortable, like, you know what I mean? You've been, I've been training with you since the day one of jujitsu yeah. at, at Roberto's. I mean, when but, we first started training, you were teaching here. Yeah. 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 Jay's a big part of the school. Like, Jay, you're a big part of the school. They all sound. Well, it's the same reverse. I, I, Mass BJJ is, and you have had such a huge impact on, on Port City. I mean, you helped us grow when we were starting, to, you yeah. know, just trying to get our feet on the ground. And I'm like, Nate, so... Yeah, we would talk a lot back then. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, so <laughs> let's figure this out. But you get on the mat, to, you know, on the mat today, and there was, you know, I hated the whatever the, I don't know, the... Yeah. I that, don't want them doing. Yeah, that drove me. That drove me crazy. I was like, "That's got to stop." What is that? Uh, <laughs> so I'll I'll tell you. Like for for instance, totally here's like a small thing, right? I want them wearing mass BJJ shirts or mass BJJ rash guards. And, oh, okay. And this when they're when they're doing no gi, like I want them to be. I don't want it to be just whatever t shirt, whatever. But you walk into martial arts school and you see all the gis, and it's very. It looks good. Right. Yeah. A new person walks in. And it's gotten to the point here. And I, I so the, here's like, here's my dilemma. And the, the, the guys will be listening and they'll probably be laughing at me right now. <laughs> if you're listening to this, they're, they're trained here. But spats have become like, who can get the craziest looking spats? And they have to wear their mass BJ thing. So then they're like, who can get the craziest, like, long sleeve rash guard under their rash guard? I saw that. And, really testing the rules. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, okay, so now you're wearing spats with no shorts and you can see your balls under your spats, basically. I'm a big proponent um, of wearing board shorts. Yeah. Here, right? yeah. So, and so I said, well, so, okay. But whatever. So, okay. So, hey guys, wear board shorts. Well, how come the girls can wear yoga pants? Well, there, you can't they're see their girls. Gym. Well, sometimes you can't. I'm like, oh God. Like, right. Right. right, but so even with the shirt, yeah, I get fought on the shirt. Say, but but I, I remember, well, I remember I looked around the class once before we had the shirts, and I walked in and I looked, and this is back at the old school, and we started nogi, and everyone like someone's wearing like, you know, it's got a skull with a gun blowing the brains out of the right, side right, of it. Right. Some guy's got the shirt that he just paints in. Some guy hasn't. He's wore the shirt he worked in all day. Right. It looks like gym class. It's disgusting. Right. And I'm like, if if someone new walks in. What here makes them want to join? It just looks just totally all over the place. Well, so here's yeah, here was a structure and a rule that I wanted to put in place. And they all fought me on it. They told me I sold them shirts that ripped in the beginning. I'm like, well, you know, you're doing no gi and you're ripping your shirts. I swear they were ripping them on purpose. <laughs> you uh, should be like, well, we do have mass PJJ rash cards. Yes. Well, this is before I got rash cards. So, but and it's funny because like, so Jimmy fought me forever on the shirts, right? And he's like, this is a stupid rule. Like, why can't I write mass PJJ on my shirt? <laughs> and like, one day he comes in, he's like. You know, the, that's a good rule that you have for the shirts. Like, if I had a school, I'd do that. I'm like, well, you're the one that fought me on it. Well, he's like, well, I don't agree with I don't like it because I want to wear what I want to wear. But I understand as a school owner. I'm like, but you fought me on this for, like, the last seven years. Son of a bitch. <laughs> right? So. so. But it sounds like it's a reflection of your teaching style and your personality. I mean, I can absolutely sure, tell exactly. you that we have been places 
and rolled with people and done podcasts with people that would never do that in a million right. years. I agree. And that's a great thing too. Right. And so that's why I'm saying it's, it's, but, and so your question is like, so that's my personality. But then, as you said, this school's so much bigger than myself or Patrick. Uh, it's, yeah. it's them. Yeah. It's them. But that's not what I really meant. But, I mean, but, like, but it's it your takes, class meeting. It's but it takes on right. a personality yeah. of the guys. I have so, yeah. I guess probably nine or 10 other students that teach here that are part yeah. of this school that, um, and, and it does. It takes on their personality too. And I want to control that to a certain extent, but I want to let it be them too because they're all amazing individuals, right? Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't have them teaching if they were crappy people and you know, crappy instructors. And that adds to it, having those different types of people in there. So that's kind of the struggle sometimes, right? I'm yeah. sure that's a struggle for any organization, not just jujitsu, any type of company. Well, I think it's important, you know, to, like to, to your point, there has to be you can call it what you want. You can call it selling out or you can call it whatever you, you know, but there has to be have, there has to be some level of image of yeah. the Academy. Like at the end of the day, this is what it is. You want new people to come in and get on the mat. If you don't have the concept of any image that you give a shit yeah, you're about. You're going to be the best school with one student. Yeah. You know, people I, are yeah, not going to yeah. come in. If we're like, going down those roads, it depends because I, to be honest, uh, there are a lot of people that are probably not, I'm not particularly interested in walking into a super structured situation. Not structured. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is, so how that manifests itself is whatever it is. Like in this case, it might be because everybody's wearing the same shirt or whatever. There's other ways to manifest it. The bottom line is, it's really your decision to make as the people who run the school. And then it's your decision to adapt or not adapt according to the thing. I mean, maybe maybe that's, maybe that's the students going, I'm trying to be an individual. You know, and maybe sure. that's not a good thing, or maybe it is, but it's not ours to decide. It's yours. It's your school. Right. And they're your students. I think it would be one thing, as an, well, using this topic as an example, it's not the only one. You can use really any concept that you want. Right. Um, but it would be one thing if, if, some, if, if the community was, and this is human nature, you give them control, like Howder says, they will operate within the rules. Human nature. No, that's exactly right. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So... They're like, okay, well, they said T-shirts and shorts, and so, you know what I mean. If, but if everybody would just I put like on a pair of board movie. shorts and a rash guard and a clean rash guard and come in, I doubt this would be something that we were talking about right now. But it's like, oh, I came in, and I'm like, oh, this is the only T-shirt I have. And Pat wants to roll in underwear, and it's like, well, now we have to make rules about it because it used to be here and it was fine yeah. that it was here, but now so, it's but here. I, I hate and to now, say this though, but what same question? Look at your target audience. You have all these complete savages who are coming in. Doing this crazy thing in 2016. But Those people are going to be there no matter what. No, and right. it's, no I Yeah, mean, yeah. That's but it's, true. So right. the, the structure is... Right. We're not we're off the, shirts but yeah, can, point, but, but I know, yeah, but yeah, the right. structure for anything with the rules right. is, can you get the normal people to be in an environment where they, they want to be? Right. But it's going to draw them in. Right. You know, I, I remember Roberto saying this a long time. I think it was a purple belt, too. He's like... He's like, man, purple belts are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> they always, they've been here long enough... <laughs> To say how things should be without being here long enough to know how things should, should be, be right? right? <laughs> and it's like, man, Roberto, Dave, I couldn't agree what with we you need, more. what we need is this <laughs> MMA class at prime slot right here because you know I got to get home and do this, and right. we got MMA because right here. I'm a purple belt. Yeah, and, and right. Roberto's like, mm, yeah, but I, I got to put jujitsu there because that's all the people that train. And Roberto, we probably need a wrestling class over here, and um, we need, you know. Right. I, I remember I probably just I think pain all, in the all, ass. All and, schools go. Yeah, that, right. Yeah. And and uh, it's funny because we were talking a while ago, and Pat, I was complaining about something. He's like, "Yeah, that's because 
He's like, everyone knows what they're going to do and how they can make things better. And then you have a school and you know that that's not going to make things better. Like, (laughs) and I'm probably wrong half the time, you know, I I do things and I I failed terrifically with some of the things and and probably had to backtrack on some stuff. But you find that balance, right? I think that's what it is. You find, I don't want things so structured that it's not fun. I love that we have fun in there. I love that we're laughing, that people want to hang out after class, before class, and I don't want it to be like everyone just marches in, does jiu-jitsu, doesn't talk, marches out. Yeah, but you've introduced some really serious structure in on a completely different level, which is, you know, like I said, we've been lucky to train in a couple of places. I've been lucky to train in a bunch of different places in my life, right? You go around, I walked in there, and you have some, you know, really normal-looking guys, and like I said, some pretty intimidating-looking guys. But everybody there was fantastic to roll with. Every mm-hmm. single guy I roll with. And I'm looking around. He got and all the big guys, too. No. Exactly. You gave him all oh, my I, big I, guys. I know. They kept yeah. lining up with George, anyway. and I'm like, ah, no. that's not going to be good. Switch up. Uh, you're big. Yeah, switch up. Here, George. It was roll, great. With, yeah. roll with the 12-year-olds. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> much how it went. I was rolling with my daughter. I used to be the guy who would come in and just be like, oh, I guess I'll go with this. And then, you know, one day I'm like, fuck that. Whoever the biggest guy is, let's just go do this. Let's have it fun. Let's just. I'm here to fight all day. No, all day. No, because it doesn't. If that matters, then I'm not doing the right thing. But the thing is, it didn't matter. Everybody there is super sweet. And they're all. So that is a structure. I mean, that's a real structure, which is like, dude, don't be an asshole, period. Yes. Like, that's what I mean by structure, whether you're in a shirt or not. Part of what I picked up, and I think you and I probably talked about this like probably three or four years, maybe even more recently. Is that when we opened Port City, I was way too far on one end of the spectrum. Way too far. It's only good the comedy. I really want to know what that but, means. <laughs> and Derek was on the complete mm. opposite end of the spectrum. Right. You know what I mean? The way he taught class and the way I taught class. And I remember we talked about it sometimes and he would be like, ah, I don't, you know, I really don't like the way you teach class. And I was like, well, I don't really... You know, your way is not my way either. Like, you know what I mean? And over time, it's come like this. Mm. And I have introduced more structure into my 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 teaching style for a bunch of different reasons, not just because I don't want to scare people off by, you know, making lewd comments when I'm when I'm running the class. But you know, you notice like there's certain things I just don't say anymore. And the other reason is like because I have to maintain some level of control over the class. You know what I mean? Otherwise, people will stop. Yeah, they'll start talking while you're while you're instructing, and like it, it I've seen work. this happen with you. Yeah, yeah, I've I've watched it. Right. Yeah. you know what I mean. I've seen you. The floor, everybody kind of changed. I have. I I remember. I would remember a specific time where you and I you were demonstrating on me, like all you know the same, and yeah. we were sitting up there, well, and everybody was talking, anyway, yeah. and I saw you get mad, yeah. and I was like, and you said something, and like it was like I feel like that was a moment. Where you changed, like, how it goes. Well, sometimes, yeah, for a little while, it got a little difficult to keep track of what the technique was because there was so much comedy. And then when that stopped, it's like... But that's okay. Like, when we we go off on a tangent, it can be funny. You know what I mean? We can stop for a second. For a second, right. And and, and similarly, I think Derek Derek has also, like, we've come back and met in the middle somewhere. And, And it's... It's it's good, but it's a balance that I all that I constantly have going in the back of my mind of like this, you know, it's it's the ribbon that's tied in the middle of the tug of war, and I'm like I'm okay if it slides back and forth yeah. like this, but yeah. if it gets too far to one side, I've got to start pulling. Well, I think it's like what Nate said though. It's like you know, 
nay, you're here teaching, you're going to do this. But you have nine or ten other people teaching. I mean, right? Is that what yeah. you said? Yeah, I don't know. People. Call it a number of people of teaching, right? I mean, so really even, talented guys, too. Right, and know what I'm saying? Each, you want, I would imagine you want all of those people to inject their personality, their teaching style, to a certain extent, into the curriculum that you've set out, right? right. And so, I mean, from my perspective, coming in as a new guy a couple of years ago to Port City, for example, there's actually four people that teach, plus a couple of other ones, right? So there's George teaches too, and there's Coach on Saturday, right? And so... And then sometimes we'll get, you know, people who will come over and sub and all that. And so it doesn't come off like just one or two things. It comes off like a wide variety. And I'm sure it comes off the same way to your students as well. But the but it all flows upwards towards the people that run the academy. And so those basic tenets of, like, in the I don't know what this academy is like. This is the only time I've been here. But you can just tell, like, joking around, sure, blah, 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 blah. When you roll, nobody's going to die. That's it. I, yeah. you know. Yep. Do you I have a vision for like what you want this to become or like what you, you know, like do you have a thing in your mind like, oh, this is what I'm aiming for or like, you know? I, I probably want everybody should, to right? wear masks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I disagree. I don't know. I don't like, think you should. No, but but like you're going to be different. I'm just by the thinking, time like, it happens, yeah, right? from the from the when people talk about a business, right, and it's like you get a Tony Robbins thing, and it's like, here's your vision, have your vision, and figure out. Da, 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 and, yeah. But uh, you know, I it, what and, and you're right. What it was in the beginning was. I was very into, like, when the guys, like the Joshes and the, my first group of guys, the guys that are black belts right now, right? When they were first students, they wanted to do jiu-jitsu tournaments. I was all in on the jiu-jitsu tournaments, competing on da 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 like, that, that was, like, a big focus, right? Get our guys good. I wanted to have a good school and prove that we have good jiu-jitsu. And then they got into MMA, and people started getting on the Ultimate Fighter and all that stuff. And it was like, okay, like, MMA. All that kind of, for me, is past. And as I said, right now, right now, Maybe it's just that I'm old. I uh, I really want that person to walk in that door and have a great experience, whether it's a kid that has ADD and his parents is like, I don't know what to do with this kid. I, mm-hmm. I want this kid, to, you know, we've been kicked out of soccer and this because he just can't be part of a team. And then we tried music and he can't pay attention. And, like, they're at their wit's end. You know, you want to do anything you can for your kid. And uh, I want that kid to be able to do this. I want the person that's nervous when they walk in the door to have someone smile and tell them, like, it's okay, we're going to take care of you. Come on in and have them learn jiu-jitsu. I want the jimmies to be able to come in and find those competitive guys to wrestle with and compete with. Yeah, that's that weird contrast is you get these really sweet people, really friendly and open and honest and at the same time super badasses. And they all exist on the same map. That's what I'm getting at. that so I think that's my vision, right? I, I at this point I think I just want to be able to share the art that I love with as many different type of people, so it can kind of enrich their life. And and th- th- it sounds like very altruistic, and that's not me. Like I I just like <laughs> I just doing money, this, right? right? No, but I just like doing this. And well, you know, I I worked in a job in finance that I knew if I stayed in, and like all my friends that I started with are all making very high six figures. Right. M- maybe even some are making sevens. And I, I I hated it, and I quit to start this school. Actually, the, the how this school started for me. I was in, they would take us all the time into these, like, these seminars and meetings, and they'd have an, an 
influential speaker get up there and talk about something. And this guy got up there and started talking about the, uh, was it Howard Schultz, the CEO of Starbucks? Yes, yep. And he wrote, uh, pour your heart into it or pour your soul into it, which is a great read for people. Um, but he gets up there and starts talking about this book and, and he's trying to get us to think about the finance stuff that we're doing, right? And, um, you know, running our businesses. You're being, thinking about so, well, no, he's talking and he's like, you need to find, you know, this, you, if you do not believe in what you're doing, yeah. love and be passionate, Real what is passionate, part of yeah. your life? And everything he talked about, all I kept thinking about was jujitsu. I went out, I bought the book, I read it about a guy that, you know, gets out of grad school and gets offered a, a lot of money, came from the slums and says, yeah, screw this. I'm going to go work for these copy people because they love what they do and I want to be around that. And I'm reading this book. I'm like, I need to start doing jiu-jitsu for the rest of my life. Yeah. And as I said before, when I was coming up, I didn't have the idea that someday I would own a jiu-jitsu school. That's something that Roberto did because he was a Brazilian guy that grew up in a family with Half and Henzo and all those guys. And so he, he runs a jiu-jitsu school. I'm just a kid that likes doing it. And so when this kind of hit me, it was like Pat and I were just training so much and not able to get there that I'm like, okay, I really want to commit to this and do this at this point because... I don't love what I'm doing over there, and I love this. And it's funny. I mean, you run a school, Jay, right? Like, at some point, you're not just doing jujitsu; You are running a business, and you get to do jujitsu while you're doing it. Well, there's, like, two things that are, that are just screaming out. Like, one, like you were saying, you can't win a business. Like, you just keep businessing. Yes. Right? Same thing, yeah. right? The other one was, like, how did you make the actual jump? What did you do? Did you just say, fuck this? It's oh, okay, already so, set yeah. a time? So... We, we started it, and I really feel like, say, I still remember, like, we, we announced, like, you know, I talked to Roberto, like, hey, Pat and I are out here, want to do this, and, you know, yeah, man, that's great, like, <laughs> yeah, that's good, go for it, you know, uh, I think we had him come out to do a seminar to start, and right. um, so, so. We, we announce it, and we print the schedule and put it up. Did you quit your gig? No, 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 so okay. I'm still working, right. and I think we have class on Tuesday and Thursday. Right, nice. and someone gets up and goes, "What the hell kind of jujitsu school has two classes a week? Like that's not a jujitsu school. You're a club." I think it was Steve Kim that actually said they wrote it. It was like on the Boston Jiu-Jitsu forum when we wrote it or something like that, you know. Or, and um, I was so pissed, you know. <laughs> and uh, so then and we added Saturday, Sunday, and yeah. then we we kept filling stuff in, right? And it was on the side. And then one of my friends, the guy that got married in Brazil, he he, I don't even know what he does. He's like a I still don't know what he does. He's a very smart guy that works for big companies and is very important, right? <laughs> and I go, um, like, Sunday, I'm like, well, what do you do? Like, you tell me what you, like, you, you're always like, oh, I figured out the actuarial, blah, 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 the finance of this business, and we bought the Taco Bells and sold this, and da, da, da. I'm like, okay, like, what do you go to work and sit down and actually do? And he's like, well, I'll show you with your business. And he pulled up Excel, made this spreadsheet, showed me, how many students at what rate cost and what do we get a month right. and how does this break out da, 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 da. real fast right and then he made the projections for the future if you do this if you do that if you do this if you fix this here and you switch this here and I'm looking at that and I, I could make a living you doing totally this. Do this look yeah. at the number to, I can live off that and that was it I, I looked at that spreadsheet and I quit my job and I, I kind of is that what you did did you say I'm going to quit my job and now I'm swimming away from shore and the I'm only teaching way I'm in the day, it. and I'm. I was enough. The school had been around long enough that yep. I had enough to live on. And did to be you, honest, you, I had residuals coming in for my job. That's what I'm I was, saying. So you had some and, other sort of form of. But I was done. Up. I shut the door on that yep. and let them come in and just. Um, 
focused on teaching. Right. And so the goal wasn't to go out and back it out. You just went. Yeah. 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 And I was, that part of my life is such a happy part of my life as far as like, I didn't like my job. I, I And it's not that I, I didn't hate my job. It wasn't like I was shoveling shit and, you no, know, coming home. But I just, there was no passion to what I was doing. And, and here's this opportunity to, it's in front of me to say, hey, here's this chance to have something in your life, to, to have a job that you are passionate about. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a good chance that it can work, right? I, I have this conversation with someone, like I think, was it Joe Rogan? He says something like, you know, everyone should just do what you're passionate about. And I'm like, well, bullshit, you, that, you yeah, can't yeah, do yeah, that. Yeah, like, right. yeah, like, that's Bills not how pay, the world works. Yeah, you, cars, you got a kid, you're going to feed that kid. You're not going to go right, be an but, artist that doesn't. But, but a good set of financial projections, a little bit of sitting down and thinking, which doesn't take that long, can take a lot of the anxiety okay. out of that. Sure. And, and but then you got to think too is also that I put however many years into right. learning jujitsu and right. had this skill set that not many people exactly had. Exactly right. So I was kind that of lucky. Right. So right. Yeah, we we have an app, right? We have a it's it's IBJJ. You I should all download that, right? IPad. Right. So IBJJ, uh, it's a little instructional. We on we just made it so that our students would have the white to blue belt curriculum on an app, like on the phone, they could go through it. Cause everyone would be like, Hey, this is on the curriculum for white to blue belt. What is it? And so I was like, why don't we just put, we'll film it frame by frame, put right. the text up. So I don't know. And then we added some more stuff in over the, you know, and added, and then Jimmy did uh, wrestling for BJJ is another right. app that Jimmy did. And these apps are great. They're right. They're still on the app store. Right. And so my, my buddy is, uh, he, he wrote, he did the app and did it. And I remember we were, we were like talking about it and some, someone else was like, well, if he does all the work, how come you get paid to do that? And I'm like, yeah, that's like 20 years of me doing right. jujitsu. Yeah. Like I might not be actually right. making right. the app, right. but that's make, what, make the app without it right. yeah. now. It took on, him 40, 40 right. hours a week to put together the app. Right. And it took yeah. me 20 years. Yeah. So, that's, um, I'm a musician. This is a common. Yeah, question, exactly. Right. right? Like, How many so, hours did it take for you to make that? So, well, like, 30,000. Yeah, my yeah. whole life, right? right. <laughs> um, How is it fair that Pearl Jam is in the studio for three months and they make this record and they get like tens there. of millions of dollars? Three months, I don't get, do you know how much money a day that is? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think for me, I was very lucky to be in, like, I think like guys like Chris is in on the ground floor and I'm like that next step of, of guys, right? Uh, and uh, But I was in before many people were in. Yeah. I was in before most people were in. And so we were the next, I think we were like the second jujitsu school out, you know, Roberto had his school and we were the next real jujitsu school that opened up in Massachusetts. And so we were in a good spot. And um, I did not run the school like a business very well in the beginning because I didn't, and I had my other business, but I didn't know how to do this. And I've gotten better over the years at it. And I'm sure that I can get a lot. There's people that are much better at it. But you know yeah. what? The schools are doing great. Exactly. The uh, basic math is not that hard. You have the number of people, how much money they pay, how many yeah. times they come, and how much it costs to be here. And, That's and I it. Want, I, mean, I enjoy the machine. The Keurig machine, yeah. That's a big one. Yes. There is a Keurig machine. I know. We were, we I've been in mass BJJ coffee. I've been staring at it. All three of us were like, we also have cliff bars, apparently. <laughs> I didn't know this, but uh, Macarena said we needed cliff bars in case people go into diabetic shock. Oh, okay. That's as part of our emergency Are they kit. still here? And I just looked at Amazon. <laughs> so the, the girl that, that works the front desk ordered, she keeps ordering 50 cliff bars at a time. 
And I'm like, how do we need Cliff Bars for diabetic shock? And I'm keep. Are we 50, selling these? Or? It's, yeah, I said, wait, they're not cheap. No, yeah, fifty expensive. bucks. It's fifty bucks every time we order these from Amazon, and they're I, we keep going through and I'm so our uh, our diabetic shock Cliff Bars and our curing machine. Uh, everything's just being given away. So I'm like, no more Cliff Bars. Yeah, they're just, say, they're up there. Them, right? and yeah, right. They're just eating them up right. in the front. No one's going into shock. Diabetes. They're just yeah. hungry and wanting to eat our... Those are supposed to be a dollar. Um, uh, yeah. And yeah. you're supposed to put it in there. And there was a sign that said that was a dollar. And there was a sign that said, put your money here. And <laughs> so Total gonna, total anarchy gonna, here at Mass BJJ. Do... Oh, there it is. You're right. Okay, it's up there now. So uh, you know what happens? That sign that says coffee, one dollar... Miraculously, no one sees it. All right, uh, they just take the thing and drink the coffee. But those things don't cost much, so I don't care. Right. It's all the parents that are here; they deserve it. Right. So we're we're gonna do some house cleaning. So, so this uh, guy guy writes in says uh, message. Uh, I love your podcast. I listen to them every day. I've recently been studying the Gracie diet and love to hear your guys' take on what you know about it and you know what you think about it if you've ever tried it. Overall theory side of it. Do you believe in it, and do you really think it's the reason Helio Gracie lived so long and why the Gracies are so healthy, i.e. Henzo feeling like you can still compete at age 50? Thank you, guys. Appreciate your podcast. Very entertaining and easy to listen to. Woohoo! So I guess uh, to, to, <laughs> su- to sum it up, Nate, what are your thoughts on the Gracie diet? I don't think I know it well enough to really comment on it. When I was younger, I kind of got into that. Like I was Did all you, like, in with the Did you get the Gracies. watermelon in the yeah. in the in yeah. the in the thing? Yeah. Did you not use a top just like, so, like dude? Watermelon juice is so, great. I know, but they don't yeah, use yeah, the yeah, top. Yeah. You could do it without oh, a top. Really? No, you couldn't see that video. Uh, okay. So I don't think I I know and and whatever I knew, I think I forgot most of. But if I remember correctly, it was mixing the it's right like combinations. Foods, yeah, right. how Food you combine foods, foods. And a lot of it was for the pH balance in the body to not yeah. have stress, like, uh, an inflammation. And, and a right. certain amount of time between to let yep. the food digest, I think, between right. meals. I, mental note, next time someone writes in, we should probably do a little research on their answer before that we would talk not, about well, it. Well, no, that would not be us, dude. That would not be us. Here's what I will say. <laughs> so I've been involved in whether it's strength and conditioning, nutrition, then jujitsu. Like I, I was really big into strength and conditioning and nutrition when I was in college and getting into martial arts. And for so many years, everything I knew was exactly what you should be doing. And I know what I'm doing. And then all of a sudden I come back and I don't know what the hell I'm doing. It went wild, right? All of Everything's bacon, changed. Don't do you. that. Yes, <laughs> right, right. And then it changed again. And then it changed Fats again. Fats are bad. Fats are good. Yeah. Bacon's and, awesome. And uh, <laughs> so do I, what do I think of it? I don't know. Do I think that's why Elio lived that long? Uh, I mean, maybe. I mean, he's not eating bacon and hamburgers every day, and right now that's supposed to be processed bad for you. Food yeah, not eating processed food, a bunch of crap. I think. I think if you eat clean, you're ninety percent there. If you are an elite level athlete, uh, there's probably a lot of things you can do with your diet to bring it up, and that will help you. If you are a guy that comes in and trains a few days a week and you like doing jiu-jitsu and you're in good shape, just eat clean. That's that. I, honestly, that's my take on it. Um, I've had, I won't say any names of very uh, notable Gracies that I've had dinners with and had <laughs> them in my house and hung out with at their places and watched them eat ice cream and <laughs> you name it. Actually, I can remember a certain one and I looked at him and I said, is this part of the Gracie diet? Is he went in and had a huge bowl of ice cream and he just looked at me. Gave me a look like, 
it's not funny. <laughs> Sat down and ate his ice cream. Yeah. Right? Can I have one cheat day, sir? Would yeah, you mind exactly. if I just have one cheat day without getting some So um, <laughs> right. I'm sure they have their cheat days. I was going to say. But, uh, I mean, Elio was a, uh, he was a big guy in cheeses, right? He, he made all his own cheeses, yeah. and that was his, he said that was his guilty pleasure. He loved his cheese. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I don't but know. It, what do you think? I think that, uh, you know, it, they're, for me, like I know what works for Dude, me. Dude, we should try this for a week. Uh, oh, that would be a great podcast. Yeah, you don't be. have to vet, you just... Yeah. Too late now. You guys are I'll trying be, it for a week. We should do it. Dude. Yeah, <laughs> I should do, do it, it. On, on day three. I'm going to go Listen, fucking crazy. I'll be so irritable. I strictly, day, I strictly adhere diet. to the Ninja Turtle diet. If so I can I go could, from Ninja Turtle to Gracie. I got your wife's on board. What I know about the Gracie diet is like when you look at there's, you know, you can. Uh, you can look it up online. You can see the kinds of foods that, right. that group that A they, and group B. But yeah. the big thing that I that I notice about their diet is none of it is crap. Right, like right. it's they're not putting a bunch of crap into their body. And the basis of the diet may be these combinations, but in all, it's like lots of vegetables, lots of lean meats. Uh, there's a good amount of fruit. You know, and there's no mystery ingredient. There's no mystery ingredient, no processed foods. They don't eat things like when there's more than a certain, there's certain ingredients in the food. And what that really points to is you're not eating a bunch of crap where the ingredient list is longer than your. It's really Dick long. Johnson. Were you going to say Dick? Because I thought Dick. Um, Cut off your Johnson, Lebowski. Leave it up to It's mystery, man. Okay. Um, and so I think the, 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 the general base of that diet from 10,000 foot view is that you don't put crap in your body. It's generally going to be pretty good for you. But I would say from a diet perspective, everybody's a little bit different on what kind of fuel they can put in their body and what kind of results they can get. For me, like bread, pasta, that kind of stuff, does I do not do well with that. Uh, other people, they can eat that and use it as good complex carbohydrates to to drive their system. They can they can get away with doing that. It's not like that for me. So I would say, you know, give it a try. Give I I've tried a lot of different diets. Um, well, those I, are all simple carbs. <laughs> I don't think they're simple work carb, as complex carbs or simple carbs is what I meant to say. Yeah. Complex carb would be like potato like I do really well with white potatoes. Those a lot of people too, right? those, those are, are complex starches. carbs. Potato is a complex carb. Okay. You eat a potato if you're gonna run tomorrow. What's pizza? Pizza is the carb. All right. Like I'll do it, man. I'll do this thing for a week. I mean, I don't know what it is, but I will try. Do I get unlimited watermelon juice and acai? I mean, they got to be a part of it, right? Dude, that would turn me to liquid in one day. I'll do a science. We got to bring science into this. I think. I think we've. I think we've reached the uh, the place we needed to be. I think that 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 would probably be a good place to finish this thing. Cool. Jay, Jay turning to liquid. Jay. Ah, you know what I mean. Uh, all joking <laughs> aside, we're extremely happy with the number of people that have been listening to us worldwide. This has uh, actually taken off pretty well. If you'd like to uh, email us, uh, you know, that would be... I have questions. It's just fun for us to uh, to respond directly to them. But I've heard personally from a number of people, as I know that you guys have as well, about how much they enjoy the podcast. Uh, hopefully we're going in the right direction there. Uh, why don't you guys... Put this one to bed today. George, would you like to put this to bed? 
I'm ready to be put to bed. Thank you so much for having us, man. It was awesome. Always awesome to train down here. I love training here. Your dudes were great. Yeah, great place. They were really fun to roll with. And really As fun. always, love having you guys coming yeah. down. Good relationship with our school, so it's nice. And uh, If any of you guys out there are listening and you're in Massachusetts or visiting Massachusetts, you should come to Acton and train at MassBJJ. What's the website? Mass... MassBJJ.com. MassBJJ.com. Do yourself a favor. Make sure you get that app, IBJJ. Yeah. It's it's a super app to get. Uh, the one for wrestling is great for takedowns. The IBJJ app is awesome for just basic um, options with, like, really great that the... The application, the the way it navigates is really great. There's good explanations. You can slow it down as much as you need. So it's a really great app. Go check that out. I like the way you can watch it and see the text at the same time, or you can turn right. the text off. Right, and you and can step I, it, or yeah. you can or and, you can play it. And, is this uh, available on Androids as well? It is. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's I don't know if Jimmy's is. I don't think it I is. Think there, only the IBJJ right now is. Um, and, uh, we Jimmy's is just a while. flip book, and you can <laughs> color in it if you want. Um, and also, of course, uh, if you're, app, if you're closer to Boston, uh, check out Mass BJJ Arlington. Um, they've got two schools. Both are, what is it, probably 20 miles apart. Yeah. Um, so, great. The best instruction you're going to get, uh, like I said, Nate's probably the most technical instructor that I've ever had. So. i got to get more money. Yeah, get the money. I'm really just machine. doing it for the 20 bucks. Right. Well, I'd need to pay for the cliff bar. <laughs> <laughs> Big shout out to our friend, Devin Powell. Who was also a guest on this show a few episodes ago? Just won the uh, 155 belt at NEF. At yeah, NEF. Friend. Champ. Champ. Dev Powell. First champ. round. Dev our Powell. boy. He's our boy. First yeah. round. Uh, first round, man. He's been on a roll. Yeah. We, can't, it. we can't talk too much about it, but there's big things yeah. to come for Devin as well. And he'll be back on. And Devin was yep. a product of Port City. Yep. Yeah. Right. And then Devin started his own school. Nostos MMA. Yeah, absolutely. I'd imagine that that would probably happen to you at some point. Nate, one of your guys will move along and make their own school, too. And this whole thing will just split out again. Yeah, then I'm going to go to their school and chew gum on the mat and <laughs> eat the shirt, eat the clip bars. Oh, I, I can't wait till they have a school. Be sweaty me. on the couch. <laughs> That's great. So thanks so much, brother. I yeah, thank this you. This is really awesome. This is great. I've been waiting for this. so I'm sure we'll do this again, but this is right now. It's a oh, definitely. Beautiful day. Definitely. Thank you. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Have a good night. Medina's still short. <laughs> <laughs>